Logan uh, raids the fridge and takes a beer and gets surprised by a cat. Love it. Oh, my God. And <laughs> Who, that, like, comes such up a and, like, cat. snips his claws. <laughs> yeah. What it's if he great. killed the cat, though? Like, what oh. if he just, like, knocked the cat's head off and then that was, like, Bobby, I'm so sorry. Uh, have you? Ooh. How long have you had this cat? Because we're going to have to go to the pet store before we go save Nightcrawler. Hello and welcome to Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I'm your host, Sophia Ricciardi, and I am joined today by Muppet and superhero fan, <laughs> Nando V Movies. Nando, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I Now I'm remembering how much we talked about Muppets on the OSP pod. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I do love them. They're, yeah. they're fantastic. They, they're the best. We talk about the Muppets a lot on the OSP pod. Like That was more of the rule than the exception in that particular episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are not here to talk about the Muppets, shockingly, today. We are yeah. here to talk about um, a movie that I have to ask you the question I ask every guest at the top of our episode. Um, why did we watch X2 X-Men United? Uh, well, first of all, it's because I went and looked. You guys already did Speed Racer, my favorite movie. Yes. Um, which you Managed and your father, <laughs> fantastic taste. It's great. Um, but Thank you. <laughs> that was, so that was off the table. And um, then I was kind of like, well, what can I do? I was thinking about picking mm-hmm. something that's really terrible as like a fun thing. Um, but we've done those on the podcast. We did that Pinocchio movie recently. Oof. Uh, yeah, it's weird. It's real weird. I wouldn't recommend it. But uh, we watched <laughs> that. And like, I, so I could say, th- I didn't want to do one of those. And then I thought back and went, okay, what's a movie that I really like that I'm probably never going to talk about on the podcast because it's just something that isn't going to come right back into the public consciousness mm-hmm. for a while. Although maybe it will. Who knows if they all show up in some future Marvel <laughs> thing this month but or next month. But um, even mm-hmm. regardless of that, like the X-Men growing up were my favorite thing. Um, they still pretty much are. But like back when I was a kid, it was... You know, the X-Men, Spider-Man, Batman, those three shows pretty much owned all of the Saturday morning cartoon lineup. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've always enjoyed Spider-Man and Batman, but night like some of the different um, X-Men, like Nightcrawler, Wolverine, um, you know, Storm, all those guys just seemed more interesting to me in terms of just the X-Men have always been like the weirder version of all of those things. Um, yeah. Like all the superheroes. So that part of it was always really exciting. And then it was the one that was multiple people. So like me and my friends in like Boy Scouts would like play X-Men <laughs> and stuff because everybody got to pick which one was them. And also as someone who is, a, I, what I say on my video, a short, a an under 5'7 person, I've always had a kinship <laughs> with Wolverine and... Um, and un- understood we love a short him. King. Yes, he's so tall uh, in these movies. It's very upsetting. But the uh, <laughs> so so there's that. So I've always been a huge X Men fan. And then mm-hmm. when you know when I was hitting the age of like starting going the movies and like really appreciating that kind of thing, boom, the X Men movies came and they became the biggest thing on earth for a while. And they were also my favorite thing. And I think the first two of those and then a bunch of the later ones. Um, were really good they've always held like a really special place in my heart and every so often i'll revisit them and go like i like this lot but i find it doesn't it has for reasons i kind of understand but also kind of don't kind of fade it out of the public consciousness in a way that like spider-man mm-hmm. movies that came out around the same time have not 
like I said, I understand why there's some bad people connected to the original ones, uh, like a certain director who we all, who is bad. But then mm. besides that, I feel like the quality of the first and second one, they're very good. And I, I would even say, if I had to pick like my top three movies, I think this one, X-Men 2, would be in there. It's just like all of them. Like all of my any movie, it's like this Goodwill Hunting and maybe Speed Racer, honestly. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to talk about that. And then on top of all of that, I am in the process of doing my X-Men in the Marvel Cinematic Universe casting videos, which a lot of the time, if Ooh. it is relevant, I will go back and look at like what character, how characters were portrayed in previous movies and stuff. And it just mm-hmm. every time I go back, it's like, yeah, man, they, they really, I love that Nightcrawler. And then going <sighs> back and like, they had a good you know that like storm's not the best one like they had a great magneto in these (laughs) and so it reminded me like i love these so yeah so i wanted an excuse to talk about them and yeah i don't think they'll come up on the podcast because they just don't come up in the you know pop culture anymore but they're they're yeah it's crazy they were such a big part of kind of like the origin of the superhero blockbuster being so prominent like these like the sam rainy spider-man films and a little later i'd say kind of like the dark knight trilogy although there's been Mm -hmm. batman movies forever so that's a whole other discussion but yeah and it's they are kind of a reaction to the batman like so the batman movies were like 89 you know 92 95 Mm -hmm. 97 by like 97 or 98 whenever batman and robin came out the genre was kind of broken and these were the first shot and and there's blade and we can't forget about blade but these were (laughs) the first shot at like one of these for modern audiences under that Mm -hmm. new kind of idea of like what if they were in the real world that was where spider-man and batman begins and all of those guys came from so i do think that if if you do want to classify them as kind of eras and stuff this is the first x-men one in 2000 was the first one in this era and and yeah and it just it kind of has gotten kind of erased from the public consciousness and replaced with spider-man mm. one as like the original like the know, og superhero yeah, yeah like the one that changed the game which is fine spider-man mm. one is, is good but yeah x-men one is uh it's yeah. there as well x-men is like the team that is always somehow always around and yet always forgotten yeah kind of holding true in their movies as well it's interesting too that there's so much continuity between these older movies and some of the more recent X-Men installments yeah, as well. I mean, when you go to like weird. look at like First Class and Beyond, it's a weird amount of things that are carrying over and also things that are absolutely just kind of being glossed over. Oh, yeah. And so much of it that I forgot happened going back and rewatching this movie. <laughs> My favorite, there's so many great transformations in those movies because the continuity is a mess. My favorite one is in X3. It's, it's the Days of Future Past to X-Men 3, X-Men The Last Stand, which I hate because it's like Last Stand. I don't know. There's something about that phrasing that mm-hmm. I just always trip over, so I usually call it X3. <laughs> but um, you go from Peter Dinklage to uh, Boulevard Trask played by a big black dude. Like somehow that tra- <laughs> that transition happens, yet they're mm-hmm. so intent on being like, okay, well, I guess since this guy's here, he can't be here in this previous movie because he isn't born yet. And it's like nobody's mm-hmm. paying attention. And also, nobody cares. Like, we're all yeah. just, we're willing to let you guys do whatever you want. But yeah, they they go like, well, since we showed Beast in one shot in X-Men 2 <laughs> in on X- a TV screen yeah. once, that means he has to be able to go back from human to beast to human to beast in previous movies. Otherwise, he can't be human in that. It's, it's so dumb. But it's great. Yeah. Um, Continuity yeah. is not always worth it. Uh, but we'll no. we'll talk we'll get to that shot a little la- <laughs> a little mm-hmm. later. Uh, but first, we've got to open the movie, and we do as all movies should start on the dulcet tones. 
oh, Professor yeah. Professor X. Uh, wonderful, wonderful Sir Patrick Stewart reading out some monologue about what are mutants, a new species in evolution? Who knows? And it's all waxing poetic as the X-Men franchises are want to do about like, you know, evolution, what have you. Um, all he knows is that, you know, humanity doesn't like to share. Oh, conflict is coming. Uh, this is all over the credits and opening titles. Lots of whooshy CGI oh my God. Um, so neurons flashing a by. <laughs> yeah. They, I don't know. So much I movement. Mean, if you want to talk about like things about this franchise that didn't like not age well, but are just like so boringly strange choices, it is this like mm-hmm. we zoom in through a brain into a neuron, which goes through a tunnel into the danger room, but it's all just circles and lights. Like it's not. Yeah. I remember First Class does this again, where they mm-hmm. have it go through time, kind of, and at one point they Ugh. pass just a big Nazi symbol or something. Like they go. <laughs> really in a different direction with it where they actually put lots of things that you'd recognize but like with this one yeah it's just like this is purple it's and just like lights a light yeah. show <laughs> also there's a bit the first bit of this which i kind of had forgotten about when you're talking about the professor x bit the narration goes from like stars in the sky to clouds in the shape of a human head so it's like i don't know it it's very big i don't hate it but it is very strange and i do think this narration Shows up in all the original ones in the beginning, too. Yeah, I think they, they're like, oh, we have Sir Patrick Stewart. We can just Star Trek the opening here. We can just have him read. You yeah. Know, boldly go, except right. don't say boldly go. Uh, mm. I'm not, I can't be mad at it because I do love a Patrick Stewart reading a dramatic monologue moment. Oh, the effects yeah. are a little funky, but it's kind of like a nostalgia for the early 2000s, weird, ambiguous light show credit sequence that I, I kind of love. So I can't hate on it too much. But as we sort of resolve from said light show, we land in the White House, uh, a tour guide talking about the friendship that Lincoln <laughs> Lincoln had for people. <laughs> yeah. But uh, cannot be enemies, but friends and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, these X-Men movies loved to also kind of be about history. Like... Yep. Which I get, but yeah, they, they I think this is the perfect balance of it in these movies. Um <laughs> where it's super over the top or not like super over the top, but it's it's beating you over the head with it to an extent, mm-hmm. but it's still silly and cheesy enough. I don't know what it is about yeah. it, but it doesn't feel like it hasn't it doesn't feel like by the end of the movie the movie hasn't earned it by actually being about that, mm-hmm. as opposed to other movies like this. Where they do yeah. a lot of lip service to these ideas and don't really do anything with them. It's not trying to like recontextualize the history so much as it's using the history to kind of just like recontextualize its own themes. And I think that yes. that makes strikes a very delicate balance because it could very easily become, and here is the moral lesson of the movie. And we're going to say it a thousand times from a thousand different sources. And instead it kind of just like skates by as sort of background flavor text. Yeah. And there's, and it, and they don't do, and you're right, they don't do that thing where um, it turns out everybody was a mutant in history yeah. and like i know there's this comes up in days of future past but then it's also was also part of some supplementary material <laughs> that you could only find on twitter there was all kinds of weird nonsense about how jfk was a mutant and magneto was the like mm. bent the bullet that hit him so that's why it's the magic bullet and um oh, right <laughs> yeah and they put that out on like the 50th that. anniversary of the jfk assassination is like ooh, did magneto do it so like ooh. Yeah, they love that. Um, so I'm glad this wasn't there. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. think I would have lost it if they're like an Abe Lincoln turned out was a mutant oh the whole God. time. Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what would his power even have been? 
That's I, why he wears the tall hat. Yeah, that oh could be gosh. it. Maybe there's like a tail or some something up there. <laughs> it's just like um, a ratatouille situation, but it, that's his mutation. I oh. wouldn't put it past the X-Men to try and pull that off. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they've done, I mean, they've done like lots of historical figures have been mutants or have been connected to mutants. And like Santa mm-hmm. Claus is a mutant in the comics. So True. they've, you know, I'm, I'm sure there have been some presidents that have been mutants. I'm very happy in this movie, <laughs> by the way, speaking of, presidents that we had a fictional president because this was around the time when the transformers movies and stuff were like oh that's like kind of like the one you kind of know and it always dates the movie Mm -hmm. it makes me hate it so i'm glad that they didn't do that here just sort of ambiguous white guy and that's fine we'll yeah just roll with that (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, but as the tour guide continues uh, on with her group one of the members is looking very shady and up to no good a very trench coat hat finger twiddling all that meanwhile the president is doing president stuff but a whooshing noise draws the attention of his security guard as the guard kind of rounds the corner to see the shady man who has stayed behind as the rest of the tours moved on uh, slowly approaching the oval office the guard asks if he's lost, and in response, our shady figure whooshes ominously as a blue pointed tail rises from behind him, which, yeah. as a Nightcrawler fan, I immediately am like, yes, <laughs> here's so my boy. Uh, is Who is your favorite um, X-Man? So it has changed over the years a lot. I would say consistently in my, like, adult year. Back in the day, it probably was Nightcrawler, because in X-Men Evolution, mm-hmm. he was the silly party boy. He's the best, and he, yeah. He kind of is in the comics, but I wouldn't say that's his whole deal like that's not i'd say what makes him the most interesting on the x-men um mm-hmm. it, in the comics so it, i don't like while i enjoy him for that reason when you get down to his like the religious stuff and all of how he is like a tortured soul and sweet and friendly he he really is uh there's a good chance that he's my favorite but i i feel like there's a stronger case to be made in recent years for Shadowcat. I think in the comics, Ooh. Kitty is the mutant that the writers all like the most and they've done the most interesting mm-hmm. things with ever since the era that was written by, I believe it was written by Daniel Radcliffe. There were rumors that it was written by Joss Whedon, but those huh. are untrue. It's actually Daniel Radcliffe. Wow. No, I'm joking. But yeah, like that's, yeah, but, <laughs> you know how we did that with like Harry Potter? We were like, Daniel Radcliffe wrote all those oh, movies. Yeah, yeah totally. I've started taking all Joss Whedon stuff and giving it to <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe too. But the, I like the idea that anytime that you just don't like a writer or a director, it's always Daniel Radcliffe yeah, uh, he's in disguise. I, that, I think that's the good way to approach it. I think yeah. it was like eight when this movie was written too, but it's still, or when these books were written but they were very good and yeah since then it's been the kitty pride show uh so mm-hmm. so yeah she's probably my favorite and then when you get to the weird ones love Madrix, multiple man never really got his due in yep. the movies but like everybody in x factor is great and then um monet uh saint croix or saint croix or whatever has never been anywhere near a movie uh and she's really fun now but yeah i mean it that's the great thing about being an x-men fan every so often a good writer will take over someone and then you'll go like oh that's my favorite now cool yeah. like every i didn't know that guy was i feel like every writer also has their favorite one little like niche side character who then gets to yeah. join the team for a run and just become like a really cool character for a while so it's always really fun to kind of just see who cycles in and out um, Absolutely. I also watched X-Men Evolution as a kid and it deeply influenced who I am today. So Nightcrawler is probably still my favorite, but I Oh yeah. I got a he lot of so love for fun. uh He's so he's such a fun character. I have a lot of love for Colossus too, which I feel like is a bit more of a weird pick. Colossus sort of is great. And I think the around. show did some things with him. Um <laughs> he showed up very late in the game. Yes, uh, he but... is in this movie. 
He's great, in, not like great in this movie, but I love the look of him in this movie. They immediately no. walk it back and make him look worse in X3, and oh, I don't think guys, they ever... Yeah, it's weird. I think he's... I mean, Deadpool Colossus has been pretty solid, but I do think mm-hmm. in the comics there's something about him that is a lot... Not even, like, softer, because that's not quite what the one in Deadpool is, but just, like, he's more... He's got more of a... I don't know. I mean, he's, like, he's an artist. He just he loves yeah. to draw and stuff, and, and they get like, that a little bit in this one. Um, yeah, like, moderating nice. influence in the room kind of energy. He's just sort of, like... A yeah. little bit chiller than a lot of he the other guys. He doesn't have anything to prove. There. He's kind of stoic yeah. and Russian and stuff. So <laughs> I I do like that about him. And yeah, he's like the big brother of the team. So mm. I, pre- they got that right in this one. And yeah, and he just looks really cool. It's great design. So love yeah. Colossus. Love to see it. Okay, I feel sister. like we had to get that out. Oh yeah, I do want to say course. Magic a uh, top <laughs> magic. top five for me as well. Um, Wonderful. Yeah, love her so much. <laughs> and they've been doing some interesting things with her recently but back in the day you know back in like all those older new mutants runs she's she's so Mm -hmm. much fun and i think she's another character besides being fun to write the uh she's really fun to draw uh i think because she has a sword and all kinds of weird stuff coming out (laughs) sometimes of her like a lot of different weird costumes so i think there's something about her that's very fun and last one i'll say i think magneto there's a case to be made that he is the most interesting character the comic books have created. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love him. And technically, from time to time, he has been an X-Men. So he would not be my favorite X-Men. You know what? Because I don't think that's what's good about him. But I do think he is great. <laughs> he gets in on a technicality. And I think that that's important. Yeah. Because he isn't involved. But circling back to my favorite X-Men, uh, Nightcrawler, who we don't have named yet in this movie. But if you are at all familiar with the X-Men roster and you see the blue spiky tail pop up, you've got about like one guess who it's going to be. He is doing all sorts of crazy acrobatics as he fights his way through the Secret Service who are just unable to get a lock on him. And at some point he turns down a hallway and then a similar looking figure appears in behind them. What's this? Are there multiple suspects? Yeah. It's crazy. How could he be doing this? That would be so uh, funny if they were like, <laughs> think it's multiple man. We actually know who he is and it's him. <laughs> and then they got ready with all the things and then he started teleporting and they're like, oh my god multiple man has become even more powerful than we thought and then the government just never got past that they were like on the lookout for jamie matrix and i love the idea of multiple man just being like america's most wanted yeah just like sitting watching tv like robbing seven banks at the same time according to what he does in x3 but everybody's like (laughs) on the yeah on the fbi's most wanted list and stuff and Mm -hmm. he has no idea that would be great but unfortunately, Multiple Man is not involved here, just Nightcrawler. Uh, and as the Secret Service tries to get the president out, they can't quite secure his exit route because, they, again, they think there's multiple perps. There's no safe place to go, which is kind of true with the whole teleportation thing. You know, all the while, he's bamfing his way around the halls, eventually making it into a room full of guards who all open fire. And we get a sequence I really love here where we listen from the other side of the door yeah. with the president and his agents as there's just the sounds of, like, gunfire and fighting. And eventually, it all goes quiet through the door and one of the agents slowly goes over to open it and see if they got the perp. But nah, the door opens and there's all this crazy black smog. And oh, here comes it's our so spiky tailed boy. It's beautiful. Yeah. And he's, and he, I would say, like, they, the effect is pretty good. Like the, the yeah. teleporting and stuff. I think mm-hmm. they did a very good job of, like, working with what they, working within their limits. Uh, in this movie, and I think that is another thing that they maybe didn't do as well in future X-Men movies like X-Men 3, where they went mm-hmm. like, let's make a lot of things CGI and, and didn't do them well. But I, I think 
there's a lot of practical stuff going on here that's very cool and yeah, yeah it, it, it really works yeah i didn't have a moment watching this movie where i thought oh that looks like a dated effect for the most part everything just kind of like seamlessly blended into the viewing experience and like maybe it's not the greatest cgi of all time but nothing appreciably terrible at least i caught on this viewing yeah i'm wondering if i can if i can think of something specific that's not great the only thing in this movie that doesn't look great for me is wire work uh Mm. there's the we'll get to it but there's some things wolverine (laughs) does with people that i'm like that looks pretty weird uh at least where i'm like i don't think they looking back at this now would be like that doesn't need any work perfect uh (laughs) but most of it i do think they'd be like yeah it looks like fire because we did fire Mm -hmm. in real life so that yep that works um that works yeah nightcrawler continues his assault taking out all the guards eventually pinning down the president on the uh, desk of the Oval Office. He takes out a knife to stab him, but before he can finish the job, uh, one guard on the floor manages to get a stray shot into his shoulder, and the mutant bamps away and flees. As the president looks to the knife left behind, he sees a red ribbon conspicuously tied to it with the words Mutant Freedom Now written on it. Uh, We have our inciting incident then we go up to the (laughs) icy north i have to assume it's canada because the character who's there is canadian but it's not there's no chiron so i don't know exactly where icy vistas sprawling before us a dam at one point and uh one man hugh jackman walks through it all cigar in mouth it's wolverine he's been playing wolverine for like 20 years yeah he's friends with wolves (laughs) that's part of his powers i guess i don't know the wolf broke me a little bit (laughs) that one got me I don't know, like, I'm willing to suspend so much disbelief for this movie and for Wolverine in particular, but the instant kinship with a wolf who leads him to the place he's trying to go mm-hmm. did pull on that thread just a little bit further than I was able to take. Well, and we do learn later that the Alkali Lake facility that he is at is active, mm-hmm. just secretly underground, so maybe this wolf has seen a lot of mutants and just like, <laughs> oh my god, another one of these fucking... Weirdos, Maybe it's like, you know, go, like squirrels go. in like Central Park that get fed yeah. by tourists. Like this wolf had just been fed by all the like mutants that are there. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, you're going to give me food if I lead you to this, if I meet you at this like door. Or they saw his hair and they were like, this guy's going to be a whole thing. I'm just like they got on <laughs> the next, like they just looked away from him. They crossed the street uh, onto the other side of the street. And they're like, I don't want to have to deal with him. <laughs> I don't want to Because his hair is very interesting in these. It's not quite Wolverine like comic hair where it's yeah. back it's a little curly um but maybe that's a motorcycle it makes a shape yeah yeah it, and, it, it uh, has like it's it's styled into that shape too so it's not just like yeah it's got curlers and it's somewhere. a weird cut that someone has curled those <laughs> and they're being held down with a lot of hairspray <laughs> yeah i've read that um on the set of x-men one kevin feige who was the producer was like really the only he was not the only person probably but he was the main person who was like we need to put comic books into the hands of people making this movie and brian singer terrible person was like no we're not doing that this is not a comic book movie it's a cool movie about the real world but kevin feige would like slip wolverine comics under hugh jackman's (laughs) dressing room door and at one point he was in the makeup chair with like, or in the makeup room while Hugh Jackman was getting his hair done, and he was just telling them like, "Higher, make it, make it bigger, just keep going." Like, <laughs> and uh, so I appreciate that there was somebody doing that. Um, yes, but yeah, he had. It's like he's got a little bit of a, a very swirly kind of do going mm-hmm. here that does not continue through the movie, but is something. I don't know. Yeah, I appreciate the attempt to like comicize it a little bit because that mm-hmm. is something that I miss a lot of times with 
adaptations that try to be too real world of comic books where it's like, okay, the costumes are kind of boring now and we lose some of that fun and color. And the inclusion of the swirly hair, while not necessarily comics accurate, is at least something interesting to look at for a bit. I, I, I can't be too mad at it. Uh, but following his new wolf friend into a concrete bunker, uh, a sign on it revealing its title, Alkali uh, Lake Industrial Complex, we enter and Logan sees the ruins of this complex, uh, sparing a moment for sadness and assuming that there was nothing else there. Which doesn't make, it doesn't make <laughs> a whole lot of sense, sense to me because it's a dam, right? Like it's an active dam that will get destroyed later and water rushes through it. Those yeah, usually so still have stuff people, there. right? Yeah, like... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know They're what that... They're not unmanned entirely. I mean, America's infrastructure is terrible, but presumably we're in Canada right now, yeah, so that's a whole right? other conversation. <laughs> I, I don't understand what they... Yeah, it would be like if there was like a... I, I can't even imagine like a like an amusement park where the roller coasters were running and stuff and Wolverine just went to it and there was a sign that said like, no one works <laughs> at this amusement park and went, I guess not. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, it's a, it's a thing. Otherwise, it would just be a lake, I guess, like a man-made lake. But yeah, I don't know. They got to I don't know if anyone out there's a dam scientist and wants to chime off and send us yeah. an email to explain why this might be unmanned <laughs> would be appreciated. And this was the part where a transition I think actually broke me because we crossfade from Wolverine staring over the abandoned concrete bunker of this dam uh, with a taxidermied wolf face directly oh, over Hugh yeah. Jackman oh, <laughs> to yeah, enter the museum so in the next shot. <laughs> it looks so, so weird. weird. Because it doesn't quite line up because it's a no, wolf. No, yeah, they're looking in different directions, <laughs> but it does get his eyes and, yeah, and it's, it's a, a really slow weird crossfade. It's not like a quick transition mm-hmm. where like a blink and you miss it. Like we hang on it. It is intentional, uh, but we're letting this wolf take us into a museum uh, where a guide is explaining the death of the Neanderthals. And we can, once again get a little bit of that like, oh, we thought they were killed off by this other species of hominid, but it turns out that they actually probably inbred in the evolution. A young boy smiles at a girl who's also in the tour as she licks her ice cream, and when she sticks her tongue out at him, he does the same to her, but his is, like, blue and forked and chunky, earning him a little bit of an arty, don't do that here, from the the tour guide. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, who is that kid? Is that... I feel like everybody in this is something. Mm -hmm. Arty. Is that the name of, like... Leech is his he's... name, Arthur? I don't know. There's Maybe. I'm trying to see if he's credited in the cast as anything in particular. I feel like there's a... Oh, man. I cannot remember. But there's... Oh, he just credited uh, uh, Artie. There's somebody... Uh, who's this kid? Artie Matic. He's in stuff. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what his nickname is. His nickname is Big Eyes. Uh, so mm. that doesn't quite get communicated it does in not the movie. quite line up <laughs> yeah but uh yeah i guess he's just got big eyes the name sounds yeah. familiar like i feel like i have heard of this guy doing stuff um oh yeah and he's in the future foundation that's right yeah the look is pretty similar but either way oh. uh he's just got big eyes and like can look through people's thoughts um Huh. Or per- he can, according to this Wikipedia page, <laughs> he can tap into and project the thoughts of himself on other people at times on the scale of a city's population. So that's not what interesting. This is. Yeah, not even no. Close. This kid just has a funky tongue. Yeah, um, <laughs> and this kid <laughs> and in the comics, this guy is like pink, like a interesting. So yeah, he's got a lot to learn about his he's got self, a lot going on. Himself. Yeah, 
Uh, this young boy doesn't have quite as much. A uh, different young boy tries to touch a saber cat tooth, and by tries to, I mean has his hand fully on the museum display. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which would set that off one, so many alarms. <laughs> I was like, so that one, I was like, who can touch things and do weird stuff? And I don't, they definitely didn't decide this, but I decided in my head, that's Longshot, who has the ability to like touch <laughs> things and then like remember their history. Um, and maybe he just goes to all the museums and touches all the old stuff and he can like <laughs> see into the past. So that's cool for him. But yeah, I don't think yeah. he also, I don't think the whole movie is Storm being like, don't do that long shot. Like they don't name everybody that's breaking <laughs> a rule. You just kind of have right. to guess with a lot of them. But yeah, he definitely mm-hmm. does uh, get way too close with that exhibit. Also, we're in the like X-Men movies. So it's great. Because everything the X-Men learn is something that is analogous to, like, a the Like, they only go to school and learn about <laughs> things that are also kind of them. Like, yeah. they don't just learn 2 plus 2 and stuff. Everything has to mm-hmm. be poetry or history related specifically to mutation. Or, like, literature, which we'll get later. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yes. It's great. Uh, it's awesome. But the young boy touching the saber-tooth cat bones is quickly chastised by a redhead who is totally not Black Widow, but is dressed exactly any casual cosplay of her. It's Jean Grey. She's in this movie. Of course she's in this movie. She's always in this movie. (laughs) That hairstyle is very Black Widow now that I think about it. I feel like Jean Grey almost always has longer hair. um, Yeah. Or really short hair, but it's one or the other. Mm -hmm. She barely falls in that middle bob zone. Yeah, it's a look, and I I love Famke Jansen in these... um, but yeah, you start to notice things like that back, like going back. You're like, why does this guy look like that? And it's like, I guess that's what they thought was cool in the 2000s. <laughs> it was like, that's why they gave Iceman so... frosted tips and stuff. <laughs> oh, and, yes. That's yeah. the only correct choice for Iceman's hairstyle. Personally, Apparently. I pretty firmly believe that if, if you're going to have an ice themed guy, you got to give him frosted tips. The pun is right there. It's a very good point. Just take it. Yeah. Jean Grey gives a little, sends the kid running and gives a knowing look to a man in red glasses who, again, isn't Daredevil, but is dressed exactly like him. It's Scott, a.k.a. Cyclops. <laughs> That's true. I wonder if they get confused because, yeah, they both, like, even though Daredevil has a friend whose whole thing <laughs> is he has to wear red glasses exclusively, Daredevil mm-hmm. also wears red glasses exclusively. I feel like you should just give that one to Scott and just pick another yeah. color of glasses. Yeah, at least switch to, to like a different shade or something. Go for yeah. like a burgundy. You could keep the aesthetic, but mix it up a little bit. Also, like, what do people think they see when they see that guy? Like, when they see Cyclops yeah. with those glasses on, are they like, I guess probably a mutant? Or are they like, <laughs> he thinks he's from the future or something? Because they're Just weird really glasses. into the Matrix. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Because he's kind of just dressed like a casual Neo. Oh, we get, yeah. And that's the thing, the big, not like problem with these movies, but there is a lot of like, um, there's there's that scene in X1 where they're sitting in the jet and he's like, well, these are just stupid costumes. Would you like yellow spandex? And I do think that Uh. line broke all of comic book movies for a while as like Mm -hmm. everybody giggled in the audience and all the nerds went, yeah, we don't even want that. That would be stupid. But um, these movies are just like everybody dresses like Matrix characters. Mm. And it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty weird. It's a weird choice yeah. that they all have black it's costumes the, no matter what. It's the philosophy of like, well, if we just make everything in like completely neutral colors and sort of vaguely look like jumpsuits and have like slightly padded materials added on them to add texture, it won't look like a superhero costume, but it still will. And I don't, yeah. It's not my favorite school of um, superhero production design. But no, it is certainly a school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm it, glad we're past it. 
I do. Ugh. I don't know anybody that's still doing it, especially now that these guys are like dead. Like Fox has buried them. It yeah. seems like Marvel and DC uh, both kind of just gone. Mm-hmm. We'll do the costume and maybe we'll put way too much texture on it, but it will still be the colors it's supposed to be. And I'm fine with yeah. that. Yeah. I'm happy with it at least being colorful again, identifiable. Yeah. But as as Jean and Scott, you know, have this moment as they're wont to do, Jean turns back to the museum and the inner thoughts of the people around begin to fill her mind, including one man who just says in his brain, I have cancer. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you thinking that? But, uh, you know, she's she's getting overwhelmed with all the sensations of the crowd. And as this reaches its peak, all the electronics in the room start to go in the fritz until Scott uh, interrupts to kind of ask Jean if she's okay and recenter her. They try to have a deep conversation about how she's been different since Liberty Island, which was the you know conclusion of the, the previous film. Uh, and, and Jean sort of brushes him off. She's been having bad dreams and stuff, but uh, eventually she has to relent. Like, you know, something terrible is about to happen. I have this I have this Jean sense. It's It's going to be bad. And that was watching this again was the first time in my head I put together like, oh, yeah, I guess the reason she's having Phoenix stuff is because of the white light stuff that they were all bathed in when they were in the Statue Mm -hmm. of Liberty. Because when he says that, I'm like, he shouldn't do anything on the Liberty Island thing. She like picked up Toad a couple times. But like, that's not (laughs) the kind of thing that would break open your psyche. But I guess the like radiation from the big old spinny machine that Magneto invented is what mm-hmm. we are in universe are supposed to believe opened her uh opened her mental blocks up. So that's interesting. I'm I was kind of surprised at both how much and how little like vaguely Phoenix related stuff there was going on with Gene in this movie because it almost it yeah. almost feels completely extraneous and you kind of need it to set up X three, but to the plot of this movie it's basically irrelevant. And yet here we go so early on, kind of like teasing, mm. like, ooh, something's up with Gene, look out. <laughs> yeah, it's I I think it's maybe i i understand why they did it but it has made me think like dark phoenix is the most overrated x-men story and it's probably not Mm -hmm. it's a great story but i do go like man i wish it didn't exist maybe just because that these movies all seem to want to rush towards getting to dark phoenix and it's never worth it because this Mm -hmm. movie has such a grounded in terms of x-men plots but like grounded plot and they decide it has like the next one has to be about dark phoenix so it has to jump up to 11 yeah and yeah there's just no we gotta like set the set the stage for that now with this movie yeah. uh even though you know our audience doesn't know what's coming next scott promises he's never gonna let anything happen to gene which is never a good promise to make to someone in the first 30 minutes of a movie and storm walks up we know it's storm because who else would it be it's halle berry she's got white hair uh yeah. <laughs> asking if they've seen where bobby and rogue are who uh sort of got together at the end of the last movie another thing i had completely forgotten about yeah it's like they they did and didn't because i'm trying to remember how much they're actually in the end of the last movie but like the last thing i think you see is them hanging out or something but the last mm-hmm. time we saw them before that was when mystique as Iceman was like hey everyone hates you go to the train station and it's like i get why she likes this guy but it does seem like that would mess you up a little bit more than it does. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, teens. he's, yeah. And he's, you know, he's nice to her and she's, and he's, you know, Sean Ashmore, which was, yeah, he's got those uh, frosted tips. I mean, who could, <laughs> who could yeah, he's got that like boy band look from the two thousands yeah. that was so in. So good for him, I guess. But yeah, I mean, Colossus is right there. I don't understand what she's <laughs> seeing in this kid when Seriously. Peter is 
drawing funny comics in the corner and yeah all this guy does is like Mm -hmm. be jealous i don't know yeah freeze people's beverages without them asking him to uh gene goes into gene mind power mode and lets us know that something's happening in the food court which is why we're immediately going to because in said food court two boys are asking for light from a third boy john uh later revealed to be pyro sitting with bobby and rogue uh he kind of ponders his lighter for a while before closing it and telling them no i won't give you a light just kind of being a dick uh which earns him you know a knock it off from rogue because she's like hey you're being a dick and as the boys continue to squabble one of the two light needers uh kind of gives rogue the like craziest wide-eyed face, face. yeah <laughs> what is he trying to convey well, with that funny. emotion yeah because the way i always read that was kind of two emotions it was like in one sense he's like crazy that my friend's doing this and then in the same time he's like we should hook up though like I, and it's it's very funny to me that she she kind of goes ugh, as if that is like a normal thing that yeah. they you know he's that happens to fully, them. Like his eyes are opened as wide as this man can open them, and yeah. he's smiling, but his mouth is not. Oh, it's just I wish I had just like that image that I could transfer through the podcast airwaves to all of our viewers because it is incredible. But as they squabble and they give them weird looks, uh, one of the two grabs the lighter from john and when he stands up to get it back the older brother steps in the way it looks like they're going to maybe rumble with a glance to the now lit cigarette though john makes it flare up using his pyro powers uh startling everyone around there's even an adr group gasp when they're in the wide Mm, shot and the cigarette wielding teen's shirt is on fire uh bobby helpfully uses some ice to douse it as the crowd gathers to kind of murmur around them when suddenly everything freezes not with ice but with time uh and all the bystanders all the museum employees and everyone except for the mutants is uh left unmoving i was was like oh bobby what'd you do (laughs) it's a weird scene i mean it's a great scene except that it is just kind of like these three characters besides pyro having that one conversation with um with Magneto always felt a little kind of like undercooked for me uh, where it's like, I don't think I need them in this movie, but also if they're going to be in this movie, I'd like them to do a little more than just kind of slightly fly the jet at the end. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And when we get it in the third movie, they show up and it's just like, Hey, Bobby Pyro's here. Go fight him. It's like, I guess you two cancel each other out, but it's almost like, well then just don't bother. You could both right. stay home. Yeah, I, I agree. I That was like my one probably biggest complaint with this movie. Is I'm like, I just feel like there's, you have this really great ensemble cast, but you're using weird members of it weird amounts, particularly with the teens yeah. here where it's like, you don't really need, you could cut a good 20 minutes out of the movie if they weren't in it and it probably wouldn't hurt for the plot at all. But we'll kind of cross that bridge when we get to it. Because having frozen all the people was Professor X, which was not a power I remembered Professor X having. So he doesn't use it a lot, but he does use it from time to time. Usually when like an angry mob is about to kill a mutant, he just shows up and is like, yeah, we got to go. Everything's getting bad. (laughs) So it does fit with this. Um, I do think Mm -hmm. because I think I was rereading like Nightcrawler's introduction is kind of that in the uh, in the first like the first time we see him. He's just getting chased out of town by a bunch of pitchfork wielding like guys. And uh, and then they all freeze and, and Professor X shows up. Yeah. It's a pretty sweet power. Um, it's a sweet power. He makes liberal use of it at the beginning and end of this movie and not even a little bit in the yeah. in the, the climax. No, it's I mean, Professor X, man, 
he has this fun thing where he can't, he's so useful that he has to always be dead uh, mm-hmm. or asleep or something for the movies to work. But also, like, there's points in the movies where he's like, and the first one has always bugged me, and still it still does. But I remember as a kid, we don't really know too much. They are watching that movie when he's like, I can't access Magneto because he's using his helmet and Cerebro can't find him. <laughs> it's like, well, I don't think everybody in there is wearing a helmet. Look for yeah. Sabretooth, his friend. There's a lot of people <laughs> there. And we know I who all of them are. The idea that like the Brotherhood just all are just like buying out every bike helmet in the area every yeah. time they go somewhere. Every single one of them has like like the worst like midtown cycler helmet on someone's got, like what what defines a helmet does a baseball cap work how what are the rules and limitations well it's so strange because we do get because these movies like have to explain everything we get helmet <laughs> origins in um first class and it's just a russian yeah. guy passed it to um sebastian sean was like you got a helmet now but like it's not it doesn't do anything <laughs> i think in the comics eventually we learn that it's got wiring and stuff in it that magneto uses mm. to like block xavier out but uh, before that it was just a helmet and professor x couldn't read magneto's mind because magneto is just so cool and and has such strong will that he, he cannot be um i guess mine can't be red. accessed but yeah just magic helmet yeah uh magic helmet dorky helmet as it is described <laughs> later in the movie yes although as far as helmets go it is a pretty cool looking helmet oh uh, yeah it was an unearned dorkiness it's like the only thing that this movie wants to commit to in terms of comic, like yeah, like costume. Because to be fair, they do yeah. do a good job with uh with Mystique. But like the the Magneto look with the cape and the and the helmet is like thank God because it does mm-hmm. look great. Oh, yeah, you can't have Magneto without that very particular helmet. Um, mm-hmm. it's just so iconic. Uh, but Professor X chastises them for showing off. But as he gets to, you know, being a professor or whatever, the news report interrupts and they learn of the attack on the president. So on that cue, Xavier and his students take their leave back to the School for the Gifted, the Xavier Institute, where Cyclops takes a moment to go from dramatically staring out over the garden to like whip panning over to the rest of the group, declaring his opinion, Magneto's behind this, and then promptly oh, yeah. being disagreed with by everyone else in the room. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, they're all discussing how the ramifications of this attack could cause the president to reinstate the Mutant Registration Act, or worse, just arrest every mutant. So not great for our group of heroes and all of mutant kind. They need to find the assassin before the authorities for mutant reasons. But even using Cerebro, his location has been difficult to pin down because he just moves so erratically. Yes, his movements though he's are erratic. I love that line. <laughs> yes. Uh, meanwhile, in the Oval Office, Stryker is requesting authorization for a special operation from the president, a name that could only belong to a villain or a G.I. Joe character. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I, and I think Stryker is, for me, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I love about this movie. But he's the best part, and his succession mm-hmm. has only made it better as, like, just appreciating <laughs> Brian Cox. But even then, yes. like, when I was a kid, I remember seeing... Um, uh, like the Troy movie they made and going like, Ooh, oh, Stryker's the bad guy in this too. This means <laughs> it's a good movie. And yes. he's so good in this. He's so funny. I think a lot of this movie is a, ve- it's got a very dry kind of sense of humor to it that mm-hmm. no other superhero franchise seems to want to get involved in. Although I do think Alfred gets a little bit of this, but like you got Stryker in this one and Magneto both giving it a hundred percent of this, like really sarcastic, you know, ugh, attitude, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, he's he's fantastic in this. 
Absolutely excellent. But uh, as he's continuing his performance, he's interrupted by Senator Kelly, who, Mm. again, relevant in the last movie, currently, potentially, not himself. He begins to continue his spiel about the uh, mutant training facility he's found, wonder where that could be, and... uh, as he's doing this, we get a cut to a shot of his assistant, who is a strange oh, yeah. woman, sitting in a waiting room, very loudly cracking her entire hand as a receptionist gets really, really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, she's a weird one. I don't, I've never quite gotten whatever Lady Deathstrike's deal is, like what yeah. is interesting about her. So this is probably fine for me. I'm sure there's some fans of her that are like, nah, she's supposed to do this. But for me, it's like, I don't know, she can sit around and... That's yeah, fine. she can just kind of look scary. It's okay. Um, Stryker continues. It's the Xavier Institute, of course it is. Uh, and they learned of its location through interrogations with Magneto. Ooh. You mean Eric? Eric Lencher? <laughs> like, my boyfriend? I mean, Eric Lencher, a different guy? I I, I think I love how, uh, how Mystique jumps in there and mm-hmm. um, tries to pull back from it. Also, Mystique, call the X-Men. Why don't you help yeah. you? She at this point knows what's going on and she doesn't call. And I get yes, it. Uh, they're enemies, but still help. Mystique in disguise as Senator Kelly is in the loop and could very well be like, hey, heads up, building full of children. People are coming to get you. Yeah. Get out of there. Of, I'm not a bad guy, clearly, in terms of like, I want to kill all the mutants. And yeah, I probably have your phone number so I could I could pull this off. But mm-hmm. yeah, it just does bother Thanks, Mystique. Nope. Yeah. Uh, you know, she does try to raise, like, hey, this is, when he when Striker pulls out photos, like, this is a school, but then he points to the jet that comes out of the basketball court, and it's like, okay, I guess it's not just a school. The president ponders for a moment, but eventually does give Striker permission to raid the Institute, uh, but cla- specifies, like, hey, I don't want any dead kids, so I guess props for that. Um, yeah. As he leaves, <laughs> Senator Kelly catches up with Striker and his assistant. He asks he magneto senator kelly mystique in big old air quotes asks to visit magneto i lost the ability to speak english for a second there <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but striker's like no no no. this is a conflict not a petting zoo and striker's a character who is very keen for war it seems yeah it's a weird like it not weird because it's great but it's a different kind of version of the character from the comics because he's not he doesn't have the most complicated backstory in in mm-hmm. the comics he's just like a reverend who fought in Vietnam, so he's generally violent, uh, and like that's kind of how that's explained. And he he has some connections to war people enough so that he can like kidnap people. But he isn't like there. There was no senator uh, or like um he was not a government figure at all in the comics. So I mm. like this is the one big change from that seems like a very deliberate change from the comic it's about. And mm-hmm. I imagine a lot of it has to do with post 9-11, like, politics of, like, the government spying on you, the government's going to come, like, rip you from your houses and stuff because you're, mm. you know, because of Islamophobia or whatever. And I think that decision is great. Although I would like to see just plain old reverence striker eventually. I think they could redo him yeah. in a future movie and just have him be, like, you know, righteous gemstone kind of guy. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think we'll probably get that. But, yeah, that's the, – it is, like – it's an interesting idea in this comic that is brought into the movie uh, and and they, they just re-released it uh, with like a little foreword written by Chris Claremont who, who wrote the comic <laughs> and he says like, 
yeah, we wrote this comic back in the 80s. It's about uh, how prejudice is bad and uh, people come and get you and stuff. And uh, nothing changed. It's still going on. It's still very relevant. So, you know, uh, here you go. Nice. Read it again. But, yeah, it's... <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, yeah. I, I really, I really do like the the change with Striker. It's one of the few times I feel mm-hmm. like these movies have made a big change to a character's origin. It isn't stupid. Um, yeah, I feel like it only plays to the benefit of the particular story they're trying to tell. At least in the case, the tight story they're telling in the case of the movie, and also the way that he interacts with the other characters around him. I think having to explain the whole Reverend background a bit more than like I was in Vietnam might have actually bogged it down. So making him a government figure kind of just streamlines the process and the change really works here. Yeah. And it smushes them together with um, Dr. Cornelius, the guy that gave Wolverine (laughs) his metal bones. So like they get you get both of that in one guy. Um, So that's smart. Makes him easier to uh, be the villain. Uh, but we yeah. head back to the Institute for a bit where students are doing teen things. We get, uh, you know, mm. Bobby and Rogue flirting a little bit. You know, Colossus in the background drawing doodles with the kid. Bobby Love keeps it. trying to kiss Rogue, but she's like, no, dude, when I when I kiss people, they die. Because, <laughs> you know, like, her first boyfriend died. Because, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, no <sighs> one's ever invented story. saran wrap or anything like that. Like, come on, Rogue, <laughs> get creative. I'm sure we can yeah, work man. something out. Like, <laughs> There's got to be a better way. <laughs> It's not going to be great, but, like, also, well, let's try. You know, we'll figure something out. But, yeah, it's just very, yeah, like... the technology. Yeah. Another reason why she should date Colossus. He could yeah. take it in metal form. He could probably survive a little bit of kissing. But <laughs> yeah. instead, she kisses nope. a little frail Bobby mistake. It's those frosted tips. They just have a power over her. <laughs> yeah. It cannot be he's explained. Just, he's really good at foosball or whatever it is that they bond over in the beginning of this movie. So how can you yeah. not? As they're sort of having this whole flirtation ship, uh, a new arrival draws their attention, walking through the front doors of the Institute. It's Logan! He's back! Rogue runs up and gives him a big old hug, because they have the whole, you know, Logan with his tag-along teen of the week uh, thing going mm-hmm. on in these movies. Uh, you know, sometimes, it, sometimes it's Shadowcat, sometimes it's Jubilee, sometimes it's X-23, some, it's yeah. Rogue. He runs the gambit. Every, you can't have Wolverine and not give him a kid to tag along with. It's just, that's peak character. I was going to say, he is literally a lone wolf. You know, and he has lone wolf <laughs> friends, so he needs a little cub. That's like classic, That's true. you know, storytelling. They, yeah. Yeah. They know. Gotta give it to him. That's why old man Logan kind of still works because it's just the same character, but now he's old and has a cub. Rogue also introduces uh, her boyfriend, Bobby, who tells Wolverine to call him Iceman. So we, you know, make sure we know everyone's code names, even though they almost never refer to each other by the code names in this movie. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, he's. Yeah, the, the the X like it's it's so funny how many how much Wolverine just comes into the into the X mansion, then all the boyfriends <laughs> get really worried, and they're yeah. like, "Oh shit, he's gonna steal my girlfriend!" And it's like, "No, no, Cyclops, he's busy stealing my girlfriend. Hold on, <laughs> like you guys just need to relax. He doesn't want to steal your sixteen-year-old girlfriend or whatever she yeah. is. Like, it's but I mean, I don't know. Ugh. I get it. He's he's very cool in this movie." He has motorcycle mm-hmm. and cigar and leather jacket. It doesn't get much better than that. Yep, and he's Hugh Jackman. And he's, and he's very tall. A handsome <laughs> thing Hugh we all Jackman. know Wolverine from. <laughs> Playing it with all of the Hugh Jackman panache that he has. You know, he's just fully to the to the walls. Logan takes a moment to question how the whole boyfriend things work to works to really like put the nail in the coffin of the whole yeah. conversation they were having earlier. But before we can like work out the logistics of that, uh, Rogue's like, oh, are you here to be the babysitter? And promptly like leaves the scene as Jean dramatically descends the staircase. The first of three people who will descend that staircase in the yeah. next five minutes. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like prom. Everybody's coming <laughs> Everyone's down. Everyone's walking for their down reveal. for first yeah. looks. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jean brings Logan up to speed. She's like, "Oh, me and Storm are going to Boston to track down the mutant who attacked the president." Uh, and as Logan begins to like fully flirt with Jean, we get the entrance of Scott. I am also here, Summers, who also mm-hmm. descends the staircase like it's prom. I love yeah. the repeated shot. Jean gives uh, Scott a kiss and exits, leaving Logan and Scott to sort of stare at each other contentiously for a while. They clearly have some uh, romantic rivalry issues going on. Don't worry about it too much. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he's, you know, it, it's got to be tough. You think if, yeah. you're, if you're Cyclops in this situation, you live in the X-Mansion. There's no other men there. It's you and Storm and the professor and Jean and then a bunch of kids. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're dating Gene, everything's going great. And then the most handsome man in the world shows up <laughs> and just completely destroys your life. So I, you know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't approve of his being a jerk, but I do. I get it. Yeah. I feel like I would be disappointed if Scott wasn't a jerk because I kind of love that element yeah. of his character when it pops up. This is such a nice, like, foil to all of the very paragon heroes that tend to pop up. It's like, yeah, and Scott's like gonna do the right thing but he might be a little bit of a dick about it and he gets a little pissy sometimes and it's fine that's okay yeah he can be that i think i think that's what i like about scott and gene's relationship is how much it's not a good one like it's not it's not (laughs) that they're they're in love and stuff but when you really get down to it they're and not to say bad things about some people but they're one of those couples that got together in high school and they never really dated other people and every time something like that comes (laughs) around it's like oh no that's definitely gonna break them up uh, mm-hmm. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But you're kind of like, you just want to like scream through the television, like go date other people. It's gonna be great. <laughs> and then when they finally do, and Emma and, and Scott get together, it's why mm-hmm. I like I never really got her until I read the Grant Morrison run when they when they do get together. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, he's just so un- like he's just this relationship with Gene is so weird. <laughs> and like I totally understand why it why it doesn't work. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. And they live together in a school. It's gotta be. It's gotta be so weird. They don't even Oof. have a house. They should get a house. Why do they live there? <laughs> At they least like build a cabin on later. the outskirts of the grounds or something. You know, like move yeah. out of the main building. Right. Like they're engaged. I think in this one or married or something. I think they might be married in this one because I think there's a line later on where Jean's like, "I married Scott," and then that's kind of the only yeah. statement of their relationship we get throughout the movie. So it. I, I want to say I think married. that's right. So, yeah, definitely get a house. You're going to have kids. What are you going to do? Like, <laughs> drop them in daycare and stuff? It's weird. I don't I don't like it. Ugh. Yeah. Get it. Get, get a house, Scott and Jean. But we leave this awkward reunion to go to Magneto in his entirely plastic cell, which is a very cool thing conceptually Love and it. looks awesome because yeah. all the plastic see through. And it's just aesthetically so satisfying. And then logically, it kind of makes sense, too. But I'm more concerned about how it looks because it's beautiful i mean my, my favorite <laughs> my favorite detail that i didn't notice until very recently is that he sleeps on a pool floaty like his bed is like a clear plastic <laughs> like that. thing that that's you would awesome. sleep in on a pool it's so weird um oh that's fantastic like, yeah it's got like a plastic table and plastic yeah, chairs because like stuff. mattresses tip uh, they was but, prior to the boom of like the foam mattress so they would have all had like metal springs in right. them, so you couldn't put a mattress in that room so you had to give him the pool floaties i guess like a water bed the same thing I was going to say, yeah, if he did good behavior for a couple of years, if he could <laughs> jockey for a waterbed or like a foam mattress, yeah, that would make yeah. his day. But yeah, he's an old man, Maybe, too. Uh... His back is probably a disaster. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
Sir Ian McKellen, because we're, we're really checking off our accomplished elderly British actor yeah. checklist for these movies. Another one, one half of the two best parts of this movie is sitting there in his cell reading the Once and Future King, in case you were worried that there wasn't going to be enough dramatic literature in this X-Men movie. A guard enters, closely followed by a striker, and it seems like maybe they'll have a chat, but no, uh, Magneto gets knocked around by the guard. Uh, as Stryker pulls out a syringe that, like, deposits droplets into this little circle-shaped scar at the back of his neck, like you would add dye to, like, food coloring to an icing mixture, except mind-controlled juice, I guess. Because after depositing them, Magneto seems almost hypnotized as Stryker starts to question him about Cerebro. Meanwhile, Mm. in Cerebro... The big circular dome room that Professor X sits in the center of a very large walkway over nowhere and puts on a fun helmet and then can see everyone in the world or whatever. Professor X is chastising Logan for smoking in the mansion uh, before going into said giant you know, dome on walkway to nowhere. Uh, sorry, bro. Logan burns his hand with the cigar just to feel something <laughs> and then asks <laughs> yeah. if he should leave. But the professor just tells him not to move around and gets to tracking, trying to figure out where that uh, mutant who attacked the president is. A bunch of lights flare up around them, one for every person on the planet, white for human, red for mutants. Remember that. It's going to be important later. Uh, and the X kind of connects to all of them through Cerebro. Logan brings him up to speed about his recent adventures, uh, saying that the base of the lake had absolutely nothing. Um, but Professor X kind of just ignores his whole arc Love and that. powering through his search. Powering through his, like, <laughs> not even the search, just the speech part of the search yeah. about, like, all the mutants are connected. <laughs> yes, like, <laughs> yes, yes, Logan, so you had a whole traumatic event. I'm monologuing. We'll deal with it later. <laughs> You gotta yeah. learn patience. <laughs> Listen, this cerebro is very complicated. You need to give it a whole big speech charity. It's even important start. that you understand how important cerebro is because it's going to be important later, Logan. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you need to understand these things. Logan, are you paying attention? Audience, we're Logan in this moment. <laughs> Lucky us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We could dream. But finally, after his whole monologue, Professor X does have a lock on the mutant who has finally stopped moving around uh, and kind of finishes cerebroing, which of course means that it's time for Logan's angst as he asks mm. Professor X to read his mind once again. Charles is hesitant as the you know mind is delicate and needs to discover things for itself and he doesn't want to just give him all the answers now on the 30 minute mark of the movie uh <laughs> but uh as he wheels his way out of the room he does ask logan for one favor to babysit while he and scott go to visit an old friend which anytime professor x says old friend there's only one person it could possibly be so we're gonna go see magneto yeah. again soon <laughs> all his friends live in the mansion he doesn't know people yeah. like it would be it's it's <laughs> I guess Moira is an old friend, uh, but yeah, besides that, it's like all your old friends are dead yeah. or Quicksilver. Nobody knows where he is, but like the rest of them, <laughs> even continuity wise. And I guess Beast, there's, you know what, That's there's true. a couple of them floating around there. But yeah, most of them <laughs> would be at, at home. So I feel like the like nomenclature of old friend is just so deep. Mm-hmm. Like someone you have known forever, it has to be Magneto. Every time Charles Xavier says old friend, he means Magneto. Yes, he has other friends, but they're not. They don't get the old modifier. It's a term of endearment yeah. for them. <laughs> so everyone's kind of splitting up. There's going to be like three courts of going on here for a while. Storm and Jean take off in the jet and head for the mutant hiding out in Boston. Uh, meanwhile, the senator, big old air quotes, is out prowling in the night, transforming first into oh, the uh, assistant Lady Deathstrike and entering the closed off office of Stryker. She walks past glass and as she does, she drops the form to reveal the blue mystique who is 
I love this mystique look. We get the full, you know, funky blue mutant thing going on, the red hair. It's just wonderful. Yeah. She's, like, Rebecca Romaine, I, I don't know too much, like, about what the process was like besides just that it's, a, like, awful to put on all that makeup. Mm-hmm. But, like, what a trooper. Because yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work without it. Um, like, mm-hmm. it could in future movies. They could do a different... They could do it differently. Or they could put clothes on her. She's usually clothed. Uh, yeah. But... If they didn't want to, like, if they wanted to do this, I could see, and we'll, we'll see it in future X-Men's potentially with, this, like, another Mystique where the actor just goes, I don't want to do it, make my face blue later. And I think I like that they stuck with it in these because um, it yeah. looks great. Yeah, I think it helps the effect hold up even, you know, mm-hmm. we're, like, 19 years out from 2003 and it still looks pretty good. Uh, she's also apparently a great hacker because she goes up to Stryker's computer and manages to, like, she uses his voice command to open uh file, which is very neat use of her powers, and then just, like, types away on a keyboard rapidly like every hacker in a montage in, like, a, a Mission Impossible or an 80s action movie would do. Uh, but <laughs> her big coup is printing out the data that she needs. Yeah. I love. And really I feel important. like when I was... When I was a kid, this was the first time I think in one of these movies that I was like, I have to rewatch the movie so I can read all the names that were on it because they were all somebody. And it's yeah. really just any mutant who has a name somewhere between like D and K. Uh, mm. But like, yeah, you got Remy LeBeau. You got, uh. Um, uh, well, I guess it's even more than that because you got Guido Casarello, the the big uh, strong guy. So there's like a bunch mm-hmm. of little little fun little easter eggs in there um yeah and that is cute and i like when she pretends to be the garbage man and says la basura (laughs) to the guy uh to line me and my sister say to each other all the time for no reason Uh, (laughs) you gotta have at least one of those yeah um as she's kind of doing her hacking she notices one file that really catches her eye it's about cerebro but there's a version of it where it's vastly expanded and she can't really get any more info from it because it's classified so she continues to hack away as the actual assistant that she impersonated enters the building, picking up some plastic weapons from her drawers and uh, going up to the computer. But as she's putting all these things away, where is Mystique gone? She gets spooked by a garbage man, the line that you mentioned. And eventually Mystique, disguised as the garbage man, is able to bumble her way out and walk past the actual garbage man she's Mm -hmm. impersonating in the process, leaving him in a moment of confusion. She has successfully printed her way to information meanwhile up in boston in an abandoned church uh gene and storm enter with all of the drama that wind can provide <laughs> yeah it's very it's it reminds me of um i don't know if you're watching the new moon Knight show oh uh, but it reminds me <laughs> of the bit where like like uh heroine and uh the heck is his name moon Knight man um i guess steven are talking and conchu <laughs> mm-hmm. is just in the background making lots of big tornadoes like and it's like he's just throwing a tantrum it's fine it's all yeah it's, just, it's what he does it's like that with storm yeah every time she walks in a room just all the papers are everywhere if you're that's gonna why wear she that is case, you gotta deadly have that enemy. that's yeah. true and all the <laughs> papers the she steals of- <laughs> just go everywhere bane of printers everywhere as this as they're entering this church storm notes a single lit candle and suddenly a voice starts echoing from all around them in all different directions telling them to get out uh, but after a moment of these bamfing sounds and demands Jean smirks because she a telepath knows that there's only one man in this room and he can teleport so they figured out what the secret service couldn't they like we're not here to hurt you we just want to talk 
and he starts hiding out in the rafters until Storm um, uses some indoor lightning to break the rafter under him and send him falling to the ground, only to be caught at the last second by Jean Grey and her telepathy, tele- telekinesis. So many words. The mutant so finally introduces himself. So many powers. She's That's got, the thing with the X-Men. A There's a lot of varieties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And some she doesn't even know about yet, but that's a problem for X3. That's true. Uh, <laughs> we finally get Kurt introducing himself, Kurt Wagner, and he agrees to talk to our ladies here. Gene helps clean up the uh, wound he got from the bullet as Kurt explains that he wasn't in control when he attacked and he remembers nothing before attacking the president. Um, he's like, I didn't mean to do anything. I don't know what was going on. He's as confused as they are. They want to get him back to the professor. And in the process, uh, Storm kind of asks about Kurt's tats which he all says he did himself uh and as he rolls over to kind of show him off i guess gene spots a circle on the back of his neck just like the one magneto has in prison so we got mm. some mind control juice scars going on that night logan <laughs> sits uh in his sleep kind of thralling around as he replays the conversation with the professor while images of his origins flash through his mind pool of liquid ominous words adamantium all that good stuff unable to sleep he goes for a walk through the mansion (laughs) is this the one is this because i remember we obviously see this now and then we see it in x-men uh origins wolverine is this Mm -hmm. the time when we see his butt or does that happen later i can't remember i think that Uh, was not in this one because i didn't specifically uh, note um hugh jackman butt, but it did fly by so quickly that it might have gotten past me i think it might be or though that's famous yeah, for be. it yeah um uh yeah it's gotta be <laughs> really cold yeah yeah i imagine I any time an actor him. has to do a shoot where they're like basically naked in some sort of like liquid resurrection pool that's gotta be like the worst shoot day oh my god you gotta I still feel be like in I, a liquid <laughs> you hear so many stories about like I, I remember i think they said this about like aquaman and zack snyder's justice Oof. league like it's always just like Every time they film something like that, it's in 10 degree weather in a pool and all the actors hate it. So, I mean, screw them. They're actors. They have the easiest job <laughs> ever and they get paid a billion dollars. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't mind too much. But, yeah, it's yeah. silly. It's a silly thing to deal with. <laughs> Superhero origins that start in pools of goo. This is what you're going to end up with. Um, mm-hmm. But he, to clear his mind, walks the mansion and ends up finding a kid who is awake watching TV, changing the channel with his blinks. Um, the yeah. kid. <laughs> Who's that? Now <laughs> Who I'm wondering. I don't think I ever thought about that one either. I don't. He definitely doesn't get a name. Um, no, I don't think he does. I skim the. Uh, no, I don't think so credits, either. Because Artie is named, but that's all he's got. Um, yeah, he's probably called like yeah. Glasses Boy or something in the. Yeah. Uh, in the IMDb, whoever that kid is, I'm trying to. I, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a mutant that that gels with, but it's yeah. a pretty shitty power. He doesn't sleep, but he can credit. turn all the channels with his brain. Yep, he uh, gets to be awake forever, uh, and yeah. he, uh, you know, throws the if you, why can't you sleep question back at Logan, who's like, I don't know, I can't sleep, man, uh, and wanders off to the kitchen where he finds Iceman eating some ice cream, hilarious, and asks if there mm-hmm. is any beer, which of course there's not. This is a school, but they do have sodas. So Logan grabs uh, the Coke from the top shelf, uh, which Bobby conveniently chills for him. Cute. Uh, this was the beginning of most of what Bobby will do throughout the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I do really appreciate the like, I I think that's something that the movies do sometimes really well and sometimes kind of forget about. But I love the casual powers where it's just like, oh, yeah, he's Iceman. So you definitely would have him, you Mm -hmm. know, just chill a thing. It's not really a big deal. But it is kind of like 
yeah, these superpowers, sometimes you have to use them to save the world. And sometimes they're this really horrible curse that gets you killed by society. But sometimes they're cool. Sometimes it's kind of yeah. handy. Sometimes um, you get a frosty, you get a, a cold one, you know? <laughs> it wasn't yeah. a cold one before, now it can be. You know, sometimes everyone you touch, you suck the life energy out of, and sometimes you can make ice cubes at will. It's it's a toss-up. Exactly. That's that's the inherent toss-up of the X-Men. <laughs> yeah. As they share this nice little moment, uh, Scott and the professor have a much less pleasant moment entering the plastic prison facility. Uh, Scott facing off with the guard for a moment before Professor X you know, calls off the dogs and is like, just wheel me to the scanner, man. And it's a scan to ensure that he contains no metal. Uh, and we get to finally see the moment that I was waiting for, Stuart and McKellen acting together, <laughs> which is pretty mm. much what I'm always waiting for in these movies. Xavier is questioning Magneto about the attack on the president and immediately notices something is off with his friend. Magneto reveals the wound from the neural juice or whatever uh, and reveals that he has been uh, uh, interrogated. Yeah. <laughs> interrogated by Stryker, who's... Uh, Son, notably, was once a student of the Institute years ago. As this is happening, Logan and Bobby chat about how Bobby's parents think he's at a prep school, and Bobby's like, man, it's not easy being close to someone you can't, you know, touch or whatever. But enough about me. Let's talk about you and Jean, because this is gossip hour. As all, hmm. everyone knows, midnight ice cream with your besties is the time to dish. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Maybe, is that, do you think that's Iceman being like, but you really have the hots for a different person here, right? I can kind of take the breaks on this, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, hate train I've got going, and because that's that would be easy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I just find it insane not insane, but the idea that there are... I, I I still think it's weird that after three of these, there's no point where Storm is ever involved with right? anyone. There's a little bit of, like, maybe her and Logie kind of flirt in one of them. I can't remember which one. But, like, besides that, it's like, this Halle Berry. She was... <laughs> she's like... I, but I guess, I don't know. They're, they're all very... They're all everybody already has their little pairings of destiny, yeah. and they can't cross over, but... Yeah, I don't know, man. That's I it's crazy I, that they it, had Halle Berry in a movie in three movies, and they did not a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like, like I I do feel like with Bobby as Bobby, I'd be like, Yo, Wolverine, listen, I'm pretty sure that one is like she's married. Jean is married. However, you do recognize <laughs> there's another very beautiful woman who works yeah. at the school who doesn't have any <laughs> friends at woman. all it seems like no hang-ups yeah. no like romantic rivals involved as yeah. far as we're aware she Can will control change the her weather? accent at the drop of a hat if she doesn't like it like she's a <laughs> she's so cool you've and, got options yeah. dude and i think they have i think those two have hooked up in the comics a little bit but it's not like yeah. a big thing but like yeah i mean i was kind of it, it always bugged me in this thing i'm and i'm sure <laughs> scott Maybe for a second was like, you know, oh, there's another guy at the place. Oh, that's great. I'll hook him up with Storm. That'll that'll be wonderful for them. And then immediately Wolverine started <laughs> like, with the gene, ooh. and he was like, what? The, the whole girl, <laughs> she's right here. It's it's awesome. But yeah, no, nope, it's, nope. Yeah, nobody nobody wants <laughs> homely <Nope>. old Storm. <laughs> who could oh, who could no. love a Storm? <laughs> so weird. Uh, tragic. But uh, moving on from that tragedy, we go back to the sad tales of Eric and Charles, who are talking about Logan for some reason in his fragile mind. And Charles is like, mm. "What? Enough about my, you know, Wolverine. What did you tell Stryker?" Uh, unfortunately, Eric told Stryker everything. everything. 
Suddenly, yeah. the room is closed off, trapping the professor and Magneto in the cell as the assistant and uh, Scott face off. They're under attack. But Scott gets absolutely bodied because Lady Deathstrike yeah. just like martial arts her way to victory or whatever. <laughs> I'm wondering about this now that I'm thinking about it. Has In the whole history of all these movies, I don't think Scott ever wins a fight. Nope. I think he always gets beaten by whoever <laughs> he's fighting. He gets he bodied stinks. every time. He's not a good yeah. player. <laughs> he's got the he optic really... blast thing, but if he shoots one and it misses and they get close to him, it's game over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get a lot I of guess... like, variance. I, I, yeah, it's, he, got, he got really unlucky that the actor got offered a bigger part and decided to leave the third one because that probably would have been when he had his big heroic laser beam, but yeah, they didn't nope. bother. Nope. Not even a little bit. Uh, thanks, thanks. And so Scott and the professor are now at the mercy of Stryker and his assistant. And we go back to the mansion just in time for the TV kid to leave the TV and see many silent armed men oh, yeah. entering, shining a flashlight directly in his face. The invasion of the Institute has begun. Um, they're going around and they're so like good. tranquilizing all the kids in the secret. And Logan demonstrates his danger sense, which like four or five characters in this movie seem to have just an inherent like something is amiss in the wind sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is like, I feel like if I slept, if I was in that place and I had all the, mm -hmm. even if I just had all the regular mutant kids there and I wasn't getting invaded, I'd still be like, I don't know, one of them might explode at any moment. Like I would, it would be really <laughs> hard to fall asleep. Every time yeah. you hear a creak, it would be like, you know, your first night sleeping alone in a new apartment. Just like what that, is that a monster? Like, is that, did Pyro... Get finally snap like what are what do we have to deal with tonight? yeah it's like one cage going off and doing some teenage nonsense is going to end up destroying like the entire oh, wing of yeah. the institute and they not intentionally they're just going to be a teen teens are so unstable you know yeah bad oh time. yeah like we don't get too many of them in this movie in these movies which is great but yeah there's so many kids that are normal and are nice and cool but if they just had a bad dream could explode the whole place yeah like, Jubilee, Dazzler, I'm trying to think of a third. I mean, Scott, uh, kind of. Scott, like, yeah. Yeah. Scott I don't just know what needs he, to, like, <laughs> take off a face mask. What does he wear to bed? Yeah. Do you think he has, think like, he one has, of those, like, like, you know, like, like the sport glasses that, like, little kids will wear for, like, soccer and stuff? Like, yeah. they wrap around the head, but just <laughs> the I red lenses. I think that's lenses. possible. Or, like, Ooh. a really fancy little sleepy sleeping yeah. mask. But then like a, it would like be, a, like, that the might... glass line sleep masks. <laughs> it looks yeah. normal from the outside, but it's got the glass in it. Like an airline. It would be, it's got to be something. Because, like, yeah, his, <laughs> he does. I don't think he wears the glasses to bed. Maybe he does. I don't know. Maybe the visor. I don't think he'd wear the The glasses are just like regular glasses, I think. Yeah, that's true. The the Yeah, the visor, I don't know how it works, but it does seem to like clip on. So that would mm. be a better way to deal with it. He's always but, got his sleep facing straight up. Yeah. He can't like roll on his side. I mean, wildly uncomfortable. But the invasion He's a of weird the Institute. Guy, you know? I feel Scott's like he does sleep man. like that, just like mad at Logan all night. Just <laughs> I don't know. For... Scott being dunked on is like one of my favorite phenomena in just the <laughs> any X Men media. I don't. I feel yeah. terrible because I don't necessarily wish ill on this man, but it's just so funny to see him struggle. <laughs> he doesn't handle I, I it well. I love him. He's one of my favorite. I mean, they're all one of my favorite X-Men, yeah. except for like a couple that I hate. But the ones that I like, he's great. And like, he just takes himself so seriously that it's hard to not want to mm -hmm. take that guy yeah. down at least a little bit of a peg. You don't want him mm -hmm. to like die, but you do want to see him 
you yeah. know, trip you and spill the pot of spaghetti You don't want him to be right all the time, so you want yeah. him to, like, you know, you got a big stick up your butt. You got We want to see you, you know, get owned a few times, you know. Mm-hmm. Mildly, not like death. You don't even have to get bodied in every fight, but, like, someone's got to drop some chili on you at some point or something, you know? Just, exactly. Sorry, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's not in the mansion right now. All the other mutants are. Uh, Kitty Pride, who was in this movie for a moment, does, escapes being tranquilized by doing shadow cat stuff and shadow catting through yep. some walls. Uh, I soldier... assume she escapes, right? I like, assume, she just, yeah, she's good. I yeah, um, she's a wonderful character, and also only in the movie for the shot where she, I guess, guess escapes being tranquilized. <laughs> Yeah. A soldier goes to trank Bobby, but Wolverine interjects now in full defend the kid mode uh, as the invasion really kicks up. And one child who has like Banshee powers is. Yeah. It's got to be Siren, Banshee's daughter. Got to be Siren, uh, Teresa. yeah. Yeah. It even kind of looks like her. I feel like she's got the red hair. Mm, yeah. She wakes up and starts screaming, which shatters the silence of the whole institute. This is a good example of like a kid who could just cause problems for the institute yeah. if they wake up from a nightmare. Screaming wakes everyone up. Everyone's like clutching their ears in pain, even Wolverine. And as this finally dies down, uh, Logan tussles with the guards, going violent and letting the claws come out. Uh, now mm-hmm. everyone is in full fight or flight mode. Uh, more helicopters arrive. Logan makes his way down the hall, taking out any guards he comes across, awakening new students, Colossus, Rogue, etc. And everyone kind of starts to make their little fight back and escape. Gathering all the students, Colossus, MVP, starts leading them away towards the secret passage they're going to use to escape uh, as Bobby breaks off to go looking for Rogue along with uh, Pyro. Taking a (laughs) secret passage, most of the students run for it. Wolverine staying behind to cover their exit. Bobby, Rogue, and uh, John, Pyro, find each other and start to flee but get cornered. Luckily, Wolverine is here and our newly formed quad makes their escape. This is where we start to enter the part of the movie where I'm like, you could really have cut these kids out and we would not have lost anything. Yeah. (laughs) And this is the part, this is also the part where the wire fighting gets a little much. So there's Mm -hmm. one shot specifically that I remember. There's a couple where you also get a little bit of this bloodless people getting their head cut off and like stuff like that. But that, I, I can excuse that. Because it's a, like a stylistic choice to keep the movie mm-hmm. for under R rating. But there's one shot where Wolverine jumps over the balcony, lands, and then just does this with his hands. And two guys who are nowhere <laughs> yes. near his hands fly off into the like you know, the rafters. And that that's the first and really the worst moment for me of like, man, we got to do something different with this wire fighting. Yeah. Uh, because all the other special effects I do really like. I also think colossus it looks great in this um Mm -hmm. and it took me a while to figure out what i didn't like about him in the next one uh because they they do change the look a little bit it's the hair in this he has black hair and in the next one he has metal like silver hair and it just isn't as good it's not right Uh, no yeah yeah the black hair really makes the whole civilian look Wolverine tries to send the trio of children he has tagging along with him now into the sacred passageway Mm. and tries to heroically stay behind to stop the guards, taunting them to shoot him because, of course, as we know, Wolverine gets shot. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, But a voice tells them all to stop, a voice he recognizes from his memories. What? He's approached by Stryker with something familiar about him, familiar to Logan. But as he's approached by this mysterious figure who we've seen before. Uh, a wall of ice gets in his way. The trio of kids are like, come on, man, we're not leaving you behind. He tries to tell them to go, he'll be fine, but they won't leave him behind because, well, they won't be fine without Logan. So under the cover of ice, the 
squad makes their escape to the garage where they pick out Cyclops's fancy blue car to drive away. Oh <laughs> man, the RX8 or whatever that you can you can customize on the official X2 website, and they were so <laughs> proud of this car. I thought it was a very cool car at the time. It's yeah, it's fine. Also, Striker wearing gloves, wearing gloves as if he knows he's gonna encounter Snowman. Like it's so weird <laughs> that he has those gloves and he touches the thing, and I'm like, that's not. It's not anywhere near that kind of club no. temperature, but he's just that bit. ready to kill Iceman specifically because yeah, he doesn't like, like his hair and he's jealous of him. <laughs> it's the frosted tips. They make him an important target for both yeah. uh, the ladies and apparently villains. Logan is like very adorably eager to hotwire Scott's car, which I just love how yeah. petty their rivalry is. So we get to see a little bit more of that. Uh, but they do, and they drive off as the soldiers and Striker reach Cerebro proper. In the car, Rogue gives Logan his, like, dog tag back um, that he has, and uh, one of the boys goes to turn on the radio, and yeah. briefly we hear NSYNC's bye-bye-bye play before it opens to reveal a secret compartment with, like, an excommunicator or something inside of it. Uh, and like, yeah, a little expert <laughs> cell phone walkie-talkie yeah. thing that doesn't really work, and nobody knows what it is. Yep. Like, <laughs> I think maybe when it? you're 15, they should sit everybody down and go, hey, this is what, in case, just in case. Just in case. One of Emergency the mansion explodes. Call us with this little phone. But yeah. yeah. Scott mm-hmm. just ha- seems to have the only one that he can use to call the jet. Um, yeah. And, I and think it's it got like, a little X marking on it, which is nice. Yeah, it's X shaped, and then, but like yeah. a circle in the middle and like flips, like flip phone. This was 2003, so we were still yeah. in the era of flip phone technology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where it's like, if you're going to make a vote, it has to do some bullshit. It has to yeah. transform in some way. <laughs> otherwise, it's not even cool. Part of me so. misses that. Part of me misses the like pizzazz of like whipping open the, the flip phone. I but thought... a lot of me doesn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I thought about it for a second because you could. There was like they made a new Motorola Razor and I was looking at phones the other day and I was like, do I want that? And then I was like, absolutely not. I'll break it. <laughs> and I feel like it's yeah, it's not a good way to yeah. do a phone. But it no. was cool then. Back in the day. Uh, so I always kind of appreciate it when it pops up in a movie now. I'm like, ha I remember those. Mm-hmm. Um, but Stryker ominously watches Cerebro open up and he kind of just like, as it were, to life, continues to ominously stand inside of it. So that's not good. And you think like maybe this particular Cerebro location is going to be important, but it, dear audience, it is not going to be important. We're going to move to an entirely different setting for the finale of this film. <laughs> in a bar, we get our little Do- Dr. Hank McCoy cameo as he, in yeah. human form, plays on a screen where the news is having a mutant debate as it is... As the Chiron proudly says, mutant debate with <laughs> just, just that, <laughs> which is such a wild title. But a, a woman at the bar introduces herself to a man, the security guard from earlier at the prison, who is still wearing his uniform and drinking at a nearby table. She hits on and drugs him, uh, finally getting him alone in the bathroom where he passes out and she retransforms into Mystique, revealing that it was her all along and shoots him with a syringe full of gray sludge that we will learn is metal. Yeah, that's a lot of metal that's in him. Like, yeah. that syringe is huge, and it's metal. He's very sick. Like, this yes. is not good for a human. No. And, like, he but, feels bad later when we see him, but sort of in just like a, oh, I'm hungover and I got drugged last night way, and not in a, I'm full of iron now way. <laughs> yeah. Also, is he fired? Because he's not, but he should be, because two people got stolen at his job. Like... Cyclops and Professor X, I'm sure, had to sign in I or think, something. I think the implication is like Stryker is in charge of that bit mm. enough that like he can give like 
since Stryker commanded it, he is getting a pass. But in any other situation, yes, he would be fired. He would yeah. absolutely maybe, be fired. Maybe that's why he's drinking. He's just upset that some people got disappeared while he was working. And he's, yeah, yeah that that's big for him. But mm-hmm. It's big blow yeah, to his pride. I guess Stryker does seem to have complete control over the prison. Um, and I guess the movie takes place over the course of like two days. Mm-hmm. So there really isn't a whole lot of time for accountability to make it up the chain. Yeah. Um, uh, we go back up to the north with that dam that Wolverine was uh, investigating earlier. But this time we actually go inside of the compound where Charles is being held in a neural inhibitor by Stryker oh so that he can't God, get in yeah. his brain. So good. <laughs> Charles asks after Scott, who is getting re-educated, whatever that means, uh, <laughs> will not appear in the movie for a very significant amount of time after this scene. Yeah. Uh, He's very busy getting re-educated. <laughs> His re-education is like a lot of education. Yeah, he's got a lot he's to learn. memorize tables of stuff. It's too much. Charles tries to talk to Stryker about his son, who, of course, they both know because he was once a student at the Institute. And Stryker's like, I just, I never, he, my son was a, a mutant. I wanted him killed. And instead, you taught him things. And when he came home, he ended up torturing me and his mother with his mind illusion powers until eventually his mom committed suicide. And uh, this is Stryker's Find tragic a backstory. Drill too. Which is what wild. A, uh, yeah. Just like an insane thing for him to have done. And another big change to Stryker's origin, because in the comics, his wife and son, I think his wife gave birth to the son, almost died, and he just killed them both. Um, Stryker has no son. They just, or he might have a son later, but the the main story with the son is just like Stryker murdered both of them because he hates Mm. mutants so much. But yeah, in this, it's like very, very messed up. And also, apparently, this son is supposed to be mastermind. I didn't notice this until, like, a couple huh. of years ago. But he has a character named Jason who can make illusions. So he's, like, not completely mastermind. But that is kind of the way they worked him into that. Huh. And I think that's neat. Nice. Um, Interesting yeah. little change for the character. And as Stryker's kind of giving his backstory, his assistant, like, gradually becomes kind of confused and disoriented until he walks over and oh, hits yeah. her with those spooky science drops that he also gave Magneto and Nightcrawler and everyone. Uh, so she's also under some sort of mind illusions. And you think that that's going to pay dividends, but it kind of doesn't really. Charles realizes in this moment, though, that it was Stryker who arranged the attack on the president. So in case you were unsure who the villain of this movie is, now you know. Stryker, though, is most concerned with finding mutants. He wants to use Cerebro to that end, and he can't just, like, science juice Charles into doing what he wants because his mind is just too powerful. So luckily, he has the source of the mind juice stuff, the mutant who creates these illusions in this this secretion, and that's who he wheels in. And oh my god, it's his son, Jason, the mind mutant, who is now in a wheelchair and being hooked up to science doohickeys and looks just absolutely dead inside. Stryker also drops the line that he believes his son is dead like all mutants, so, you know, they don't have a great relationship. Yeah, but I do, and I do love how he controls the son later on. Yeah. I think it's, it's great, very manipulative. I also think, design-wise... The whole two different color eyes as just like a that's who this character is is very helpful later on and mm-hmm. I think is a is a very I don't know just like a solid design choice. Yeah, it um, really works. Yeah, it's quick and concise and it really directs where you look at. Mm-hmm. Charles is left alone with the son to do mind stuff, presumably. Meanwhile, the our quad team of Wolverine and the kids enter Bobby's parents' house right outside of Boston, uh, and it seems like no one is home. 
Logan is like investigating the phone they found in the car, but he's getting no responses because it's the least useful cell phone of all time. Meanwhile, yeah. Bobby and Rogue are like getting changed upstairs <laughs> and they have a moment oh, of like, yeah. now we are just going to make out a little bit. Uh, and at first it's fun. Like Rogue has ice breath, but then uh, they continue to kiss and Bobby's like, I gotta, we gotta break away because you are draining my life force. So that's a whole subplot that's happening. Yeah. Could they do like little kisses a lot of times? Like if their kisses yeah. were just... I think, but yeah, nothing, I think nothing if they consistent. were like brief, because it's, it's a duration thing. Because like Rogue touches people all the time yeah. to get their power really quickly. So like it's not that she insta kills you if you touch her. It's like a procedural thing. So yeah, there's there's some possibilities there. I feel like they're not thinking outside the box enough here. No. Yeah, um, they need... Yeah. You need to... And especially for a teenage boy... You need to be a little <laughs> bit more creative with, like, yeah. making this work. I feel Come like on, teenage man. boys are the most, like, yeah, just, like, inventive when it comes to all this stuff. And while they're sort of, like, having this moment, uh, Pyro looks at a f- picture of Bobby and his happy family angrily. And I assume that there's, like, backstory going on here where Pyro doesn't have a great family relationship. But we don't explore that at all in this movie. Logan uh, raids the fridge and takes a beer and gets surprised by a cat. Loved it. Oh, my God. And <laughs> Who, that, like, comes up and, like, cat. snips his claws. <laughs> yeah. What it's if he great. killed the cat, though? Like, what oh. if he just, like, knocked the cat's head off and then that was, like, Bobby, I'm so sorry. Uh, have you? Ooh. How long have you had this cat? Because we're going to have to go to the pet store before we go save Nightcrawler. Oh. Um, yeah, no. but the cat is very pretty, and yeah, another animal that Wolverine has a kinship with. He, he just is has the an animal instinctive man. relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As he's kind of like coming down from the moment of surprise from the cat, he sees the rest of Bobby's family who has entered the room, and to see a strange man with claws drinking their beer in the kitchen, um, mm-hmm. Bobby manages to come down and defuse the situation, kind of, and introduces him as Professor Logan, and tells his parents that he has to tell them something. Uh, we assume this is his mutant coming out moment but before we can see that whole conversation. Uh, and kind of thankfully, we are spared the bulk of that conversation. Uh, we return to the prison. Yeah. <laughs> this Love is where the, the guard from the bar makes it through the metal detector, uh, delivering his food to Magneto. But before he can leave, Eric starts to chat, standing up and begins to levitate the guard as he is full of iron and pulls all the little iron particles out of him with his magnet powers as little bunches of iron dust come out and he forms them into like little iron orbs and uses them to shatter everything around him and escape. Um, At one point, one of them into a little disc disc and he floats with all of the panache that Ian McKellen can muster to like levitate over. And little, little atoms, like they all cross around him. Like he, he can't, he could just have them, but he's like, let's fuck, let's do something cool. Have him rotate around me. Also, I love one thing, a couple things in this scene that are amazing. One, in the comic that this is, they made like a novelization comic of this. And in the comic, he just explodes that guy. <laughs> he does not drain them out. It is blood and it's a mess. The other thing is, I think they gave that guy a name that was just like, let's see what Magneto, let's see Ian McKillen say this name a couple of times because he's Mr. Lorio. And it's just such a very like big Shakespearean name yes. that uh, it's very fun to hear him say. It might way more fun than like Mr. Smith. It's yeah. It's, yes. It's, it's it works. Great. If you have Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart, you've got to give them some over the top names to say. It's just that's law. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But we, after seeing this breakout, we go right back to Bobby's where his parents are wrestling poorly with his new mutant identity. They love their son, but the mutant quote-unquote problem is complicated, and all of the other mutants in the room are not taking this well, uh, understandably so. Bobby's brother in particular seems especially annoyed, uh, as Bobby demonstrates that what he can do by freezing yet another beverage, I assume tea or coffee, <laughs> yeah. it's in a cup of that type. Uh, and the brother runs upstairs and immediately calls the police. Uh-oh. Yeah, I feel like Bobby should have asked, you know, is this the only yeah. tea we have in the house? Okay, good, because I'm going to freeze it, and if you wanted tea, sorry. You're going to have to melt this again. I guess Pyro's like, there, so it. they could just, like, immediately true. heat it up. Yeah. They've got both sides so of the funny. spectrum. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, everybody loves that. Like, ooh, could you try not being a mutant line? I think the whole, like, mm-hmm. Logan being an art teacher is great. Um, <laughs> there's so many, like, little bits there. I love when the cat drink, like, licks at the tea thing um, <laughs> when it's a big circle. Uh, like, ice, That that's cute. There's just, yeah, there's so many small yeah. things in this movie. Uh, well, we have left uh, the... Oh, <laughs> there's a cat. Yep, he just <laughs> decided to be part of it. Say hi. Say hello. Hi. <laughs> adorable lots of good cats on this episode uh, both in movie and out um, that's true yeah he heard about the cat <laughs> stuff and was like uh, he has my an opinion his opinion is yeah that cat was not as good as he would have been <laughs> um, yes he would have fought Alf Pyro and there would have been no problem in that house Mortimer <laughs> would have killed him immediately based on instinct uh, mm. so very yeah. important Yes, uh, but uh, unfortunately, things are not going quite that well for Storm, Jean, and Nightcrawler, who are all on the jet uh, trying to call someone, anyone. If only someone had a conveniently X-shaped phone and it was active. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should give those to people. It's like, it's just Scott. It's, who else? Well, like Colossus should have one. Beast should yeah. have one. Charles should have one. Wolverine should have one. Storm and Jean should each have their own. They shouldn't be relying on the jet. This is crazy. Yeah. The, I feel like in the comics and or in the cartoon, for sure, you could just tap on your little X. Yeah, you get a little and communicator. And that would be your communicator. Yeah, which is maybe tough if you're wearing civilian clothes. But it's not like the phones are that different than civilian. Like, it would be <laughs> so easy to just pop in your... But no. Yeah. Nope. They, they can't. Can't be bothered. Yep, we get a little moment between uh, Kurt and Storm where she asks him about, you know, his uh, skin indent tat things. And he's like, oh, they're all angelic symbols. And Kurt's like very religiously aligned character. So we're getting a lot of that kind of like backstory bit here. He gives us a little bit of a a thematic line and uh, everyone outside of the circus was afraid of me, but I just pitied them. Uh, And, you know, waxes poetic a bit about faith and anger until Gene finally gets a comm signal from the one phone that exists in this universe. Back at Bobby's, yeah. the beeping on the comm sends Logan off to take the call because it works like a normal cell phone. Storm and Gene are on their way to Logan, but his Logan senses go off. The house is surrounded by cops. Oh no, um, Bobby realizes that his brother has turned him in. Logan walks out to the porch to try and talk down the cops, but gets shot in the head for his troubles. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. That's how the police in Massachusetts, I feel yeah. like, probably handle stuff like just anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> seems like they would show a little less restraint later in the scene if this is how they will handle a guy with knives for hands. But I hey. know. Now, they do, like the... I do love that they tell him to drop the knives, and he's like, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> It nice is so funny. character moment. And it's funny that, like, Wolverine is like, listen, they're just going to, sh- like, he, 
he... Oh, someone knocked something over. <laughs> what did you knock over, sweetheart? I don't think it was important. Okay. Um, it's funny how he, he brings the closet so quickly. Like, he does a big schlink. It's not like a slow, like, hold on, guys. Yeah, he could have handled that yeah. a little better. But also... They were going to shoot him, whatever, like, regardless, yeah. probably. There was no uh, way out of this for him. And at least it's Logan, the one person who could survive this situation. Um, yeah. With Logan down, though, Bobby and Rogue and John have to kind of comply with what the cops are doing. Bobby and Rogue start to, you know, put their hands up and squat down. But Pyro, well, he's a bit of a hothead, so to speak. Mm. And instead of complying, he's like, you know what? No. And he uses his lighter to start slinging fireballs at the cops, viciously attacking and seeming to really enjoy the power that he's exhibiting uh, with no sign of stopping. Uh, so Rogue eventually is forced to grab his ankle to take a little bit of his life force and use the power to put the fires out. I like that. Logan... Yeah, I, I like that clever. little moment for Rogue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a good demonstration that Pyro could, you know, control the fire the opposite direction, not just make it bigger. Yeah. Um, Logan also takes the opportunity to heal from his bullet wound in this moment. As the jet arrives and the kids and Logan go get on board, Bobby turning once to look sadly back at his family, but eventually getting on the jet. <laughs> Inside, they all meet Nightcrawler, which is fun. Uh, yeah, and he's like, kind of like, hi, here's kind of my deal and wolverine's <laughs> like i really it's i just got shot i don't have time mm-hmm. for this like we'll, we'll figure it later. out yeah <laughs> new people show up constantly at this school like sure whatever you teleport mm-hmm. great like are you and storm gonna be in love that might be fun we could <laughs> set something it no no chemistry like they were all right kind i guess of trying not. to do that and then they're just like mm, we're not actually gonna commit to this plot line going forward like it's t- almost but mm-hmm. not quite about as much development as like a gene and scott and logan triad would get but yeah peels back the last second we then jump to charles's pov as we are standing in his office but no he's not uh he's actually being made to see visions by jason the sun uh and as he's actually still trapped in the bunker in the north he walks walks he rolls his way through the institute comforting a crying child and asking her where the other students are suggesting that they use Cerebro to find him. So he's being manipulated into going to Cerebro and seeking out the other mutants. Our gang returns to the mansion, uh, but two fighters are tailing them as as they are demanded to lower their altitude and follow back to the Air Force base as they don't comply, because why would they? The jets go on the attack, everyone trying to buckle into the uh, jet. Rogue, of course, struggling with her buckle, unable mm. to fasten her seatbelt properly. Another over-designed feature of X-Men stuff that is, like, not intuitive when it probably nope. should be. <laughs> and it will cause problems. Yeah. Uh, they don't have any, like, torpedoes on there, but but luckily they do have Storm who can control the actual weather. And she makes a bunch of tornadoes in the sky that takes out the jets. And just as everything seems to be fine and all is well, it turns out that two missiles were launched and are now locked on to the uh, to the jet. Luckily... They have a gene who takes one out with her mind powers, but the other manages to intercept the back of the jet, which opens it up and Rogue goes flying out. But luckily they have a Kurt who bamps out and grabs her and brings her back into the jet uh, as it continues to lose altitude fast. Just as they think they're going to collide with the ground, the back of the plane closes up. (gasps) Who's controlling it? It's not Gene, it's Magneto. And before they hit the ground, they're caught by uh, our magnet metal controlling friend, Friend yes. of air quotes. <laughs> so this part is the only. This is the only like dumb little plot hole. I've I've always been like kind of like what are we doing here? Movie. Why is Magneto there? 
where are yeah. they? Like, they fall out of the sky, and he's just standing there. Like, oh, oh, oh I knew they would get <laughs> shot with a missile in this general vicinity. There's, like, a throwaway line about them being near the mansion. But even then, right. like, that's a crazy radius if you're flying at those speeds. Like, how did he know where to stand? Yeah, it's not like him. he just catches it, too. Like, him and, him and Mystique are almost just, like... Are they gonna act? Are they gonna fall into our grasp anytime soon? Because we've been waiting out here in the woods for like a couple hours, but mm-hmm. they, yeah, they do get them, which is nice. It's a cute. It's a I cute love visual. The idea of the cut of the movie from like Magneto and Mystique's POV, where there's just like a whole twenty minutes where you're just sitting in the woods around <laughs> on yeah. the institute, making camp. Just like so, you know. You see that L'Oreal guy? Yeah, he was a weirdo. I, I agree. He made me sleep yeah. on a little pool floaty. That's crazy. <laughs> Not so even a wooden bed any... or nothing. Yeah, they made a Matrix <laughs> sequel while you were in there. It was pretty good. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. All right. They yeah. do that bullet thing again? You know, I could do that bullet Matrix thing. I wouldn't that's, even have to, like, that's do true. the whole arch. They stole um, that from me, Magneto. <laughs> this is IP. The gang all makes camp in the woods. Um, Rogue takes a moment to have a little, like, Nice little moment with Kurt and like, thanks for catching me. And the adults chat farther away. Kurt sneaks up to listen to them, like bamfing into a tree. It's very adorable. I love his little tricksterness. Magneto brings the team up to speed on Stryker and his desire for Cerebro, explaining that Stryker got the information out of him and now has Charles, who, while connected to Cerebro, could kill every single mutant at once with mind powers or whatever. Yeah. Gives a little backstory on like Stryker too. And we do get that earlier in the movie, too, with Wolverine. And Wolverine still doesn't really get it, it seems like. He's like, because yeah. P- Professor X is like, if I wanted to kill a mutant, I could. And then later, like, you kind of figure when Magneto starts that sentence, Wolverine's going to be like, he could kill him. But he's just still sitting there in the corner <laughs> like, I this is a lot of stuff. A lot yeah. of Cerebro <laughs> talk. And I, I think I saw it two or three times, but pretty sure this is just their stuff. Uh, I also... Mm-hmm love the line that ends that conversation uh <laughs> where sees nightcrawler and and uh magneto's or wolverine's like well, we went to the place but there wasn't anything there why do you always think everything's about you and then they find <laughs> kurt i just magneto's yes. so funny in this movie the so switch to between like how he's talking about cerebro and it's like if they were to focus on one p- group of people say mutants they could kill us all i love i just he's so funny. <laughs> we're never gonna get better than him i'm sure there's many good magnetos uh, out mm-hmm. there obviously i've talked about him but um ian mckellen <laughs> something very special and and strange he's just what yeah i watched a video of him 12 minutes long just him describing the tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow speech from Macbeth and just like going through it word by word and being like this word is this so this is where you kind of take a pause and think about this and it's just like man that's that's good that's very good he just brings so much gravitas to it that like no other actor could bring to that role except for maybe like Patrick Stewart who was already bringing that gravitas to an entirely different direction in the movie it's uh, so I could listen to him talk as Magneto for hours about just yeah. anything. But now he's talking about how Stryker was the military scientist who made made Logan and is trying to solve, quote unquote, the mutant problem, which is sort of his motivation throughout this whole movie. Now that they have determined that the secret base is actually under the ground and that Kurt, who had to have been there before to be the person to attack the president, probably knows where it is. Uh, they have their location for the finale. Gene kind of like mind melds with Kurt to figure out exactly yeah. the locations. And we get another one of those like, here's a bunch of icons flashing really quickly in your mind sequences um, to basically tell us that it's under 
underground. <laughs> they go underground. Yeah, it's in tunnel kind of sets. Sets that look like tunnels. And it might be the same mm-hmm. tunnel a bunch of times. Whatever. That's kind of what it's it looks fine. like. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it too much. It's probably a soundstage, but that's that's how budget works. Before they, like, take off, Gene approaches Logan and they, like, flirt a lot. Oh, this <laughs> and this is where yeah. we get the, like, Logan, I married a good guy. <laughs> and Logan really struggles with this. So they take the opportunity to make out a bit. But Gene ultimately leaves. And I'm like, what's happening? Why is your relationship so messy? Well, is it that is it that the scene with what's his name with um with Mystique is that later or is that in this bit where it's Mystique immediately comes and after does this. kisses? Okay, yeah, yeah. And it's I can't not imagine being Wolverine in that moment. Just like <laughs> these, I, I I do think it's funny how little time Wolverine has actually spent with the X Men over the course of all of these movies. He's always yeah. coming and going. So I do think he's just like this is like some sort of weird cult. Like these people are <laughs> kind of strange, almost like. And this is like something that I've been thinking of recently for podcast stuff. Kind of how everybody in the Twilight movies views the Cullens. It's like they're just weird. Oh, they're yeah. all over there and they date each other and then my people related. It's complicated. You don't want to get involved. With them. <laughs> Logan is like having that realization now. It's like I mm-hmm. should have just been a truck driver. That was actually yeah. a pretty good thing for me. But yeah. <laughs> but nope, he's an X-Men now. And now he gets watched by Mystique a- for some reason when he's making out with a girl who is married to someone else on the team. It's a... Oh, oh. oh, Again, Storm is right there. She is still <laughs> here. Nothing has if changed. Hey, if you're committed to the whole problematic relationship, Mystique is also right there. Yeah. I'm just, <laughs> and she seems I, interested. <laughs> Mystique, I, I love that scene. Well, I mean, we'll get to it because that's the next one, right? Yeah. So that, that one's so fun. Yeah, we get a, you know, Kurt talk, asks Mystique why she doesn't just, like, look normal all the time. And she's like, we shouldn't have to look like everyone else. So that's the whole philosophy of the movie reinstated. But mm-hmm. uh, in the night, Wolverine is visited by Jean, quote unquote, in his tent. And as they're making out, uh, <laughs> he brushes a set of scars that tip him off that it's Mystique because it's where he stabbed her in the last movie. And she's, like, got this weird just thing get about rid of those, him. right? Yeah, she's why? definitely left them there intentionally. Just it's to totally get him, yeah. To- <laughs> yeah. That's true. Uh, and she, like, questions him about what he wants, and he's like, mind tricks aren't going to get you me or whatever. And I'm like, okay. I mean, it's a weird situation, certainly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, this is definitely better than you trying to ruin their marriage. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. And also, uh, there's the bit where she says that, and then she turns into Striker. She's like, what do you really want? And in my head, I wanted him to make out with Striker. <laughs> Just like a little bit, like jump right on him and be like, actually, it's an old Scottish man or something. That's what yeah. I want. But I can't, so I have to pretend potential. to be into Gene because it's kind of what everybody expects. But like, you, you landed on it 100% Ugh. Mystique. Um, yeah, Mystique, Mystique called him out. And Ugh. also, in this bit where she's doing the sexy like thing and switching between the people, she goes to Storm and then immediately gets like, nah, obviously not Storm. <laughs> it's just insane. No, justice yeah. for Storm. Let Storm be hot, damn it. Because she is. Yeah. It's Halle Berry. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> it's Catwoman. <laughs> we all know she's hot. She was probably, uh. I don't remember where where we were in history at this time. She was probably the sexiest woman of the year in some Maxim magazine or something that year. Yeah. Like, she was in the James Bond movies. It was it was a big deal for her. She had also just won an Oscar, yeah. I think. Like maybe the wig is a questionable wardrobe choice, but like overall, it's not detracting that much. It's still Halle yeah. Berry under all that hair. Again, I love the accent. I wish we were able to keep that. But besides <laughs> that, this yeah, she's she's great. 
as they head to the north, we have a moment where the kids are all like, where are our uniforms? And they have a moment of like, oh, you get them in 15 years or whatever. And I'm like, what? Don't they already? Ha- I thought they already had uniforms in some of the promo shots. That confused me a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's true. <laughs> uh, Magneto and Mystique kind of taunt Rogue for a bit, but Bobby keeps her from falling for it. Love but it. But John, though, he's all it. He chats with Magneto. This is where we get the really dorky helmet bit. Uh, mm. And Magneto asks for his real name pyro you can manipulate fire but not create it uh and magneto kind of like gives him the speech that he's wanted this whole time of like you are a god amongst insects uh yeah so we're sort of getting the whole like ooh, this boy is not gonna be on this team for long (laughs) oh the pyro bit is funny um because because he's like what's your name and he's like john and it's like (laughs) what's your real name and it's kind of like i'm gonna take two guesses your fireman or your pyro (laughs) And it's like, yeah, I'm one of those. My name isn't that yeah. good. I, yep. you know, like, it's weird that, like, yeah, we have all these X-Men who have pretty simple names. Rogue sticks with Rogue, which I, I guess is just kind of she came with it. But, yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of the rest of these X-Men are just like Storm, uh, Iceman, uh, Pyro, <laughs> like, just the thing that I already pretty much am. So yep. they can get a little bit more creative with that. Yeah, they could bump it up a bit. I guess Jean just kind of goes by Jean for the most part. Yeah, they've never really decided on a name for her. They <laughs> like they they want to get to Phoenix so quickly because they want her to have a name. Although Marvel Girl mm-hmm. is a fine name, it's stupid, but it's fine. And I hope they yep. go with that in the movies. Um, someday because it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back at the ice base, Cerebro Two has been completed. Dun dun dun. Remember how Cerebro One, which was wholly intact as far as we're aware, was still functional? Yeah. Well, they built a second one instead in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> one of the soldiers asks why they're keeping the uh, mutant children that they captured at the mansion here, and Stryker explains that it's you know for insurance reasons or whatever. He's um, a scientist. When he He's builds a, a machine, he has to make sure that it's working. Another great <laughs> line. He's so he's so good. Ugh. He really has so much panache. I've used that word a lot this episode because a lot of people have it in this movie. (laughs) It's really working. The jet lands in the winter wastes by the very picturesque dam. uh, And they kind of debate their entrance strategy. They're like, okay, we got to go in through this like pipe, the spillway. Only one of us can go in to like make sure that they don't immediately try and flood it. It's total. It's a really, really. I kind of. I was like, this is just super contrived way to get to let Mystique go in and do stuff. Because originally Wolverine's like, I'll go. They'll never kill me. I'm too valuable. But uh, he can't operate the computers well enough. So they're like, yeah. okay, no, no, no. What's we'll he, send someone else in. <laughs> what's he going to do? Slash it with his claws. Again, just like Magneto is so sassy in this movie. <laughs> he hates all of them. Him and Mystique just laugh at all of them when they're sitting near them on the Blackbird. Like, I, I yeah, I just, I think they're like that's so the fun. ultimate, the- like, cool loner kids in high school. Like, they aren't the popular yeah. kids, but they're just so much cooler than that. <laughs> And he has this really high level of contempt for pretty much everyone yeah. else on the planet, except for him and maybe, like, he likes Mystique. He, I, I mean, he's fucking, with, like, he's manipulating John, so that doesn't count. He likes the professor, but pretty much everybody else stinks, and yeah. it's great. Um, yeah, I think it's important that he's sassy, too, because it helps you forget that he was the villain of the last movie, so you kind of get <laughs> yeah. to, like... Like, yeah, he's like Ian McKellen playing a fun, sassy old man. Totally didn't try to kill everyone last time around. Totally mm-hmm. won't do that again. But they send Mystique disguised as Wolverine down the spillway, calling out to Stryker, 
who opens the secret doors in the tunnel and a bunch of soldiers come out and lock up the quote-unquote Wolverine to take him to Stryker. Seeing him in person, however, Stryker immediately realizes that it's not his creation and orders the men to seal the room and shoot it, which is when Mystique busts out and goes like full combat mode, flicking off uh, the soldiers as she slides under the closing door. Like it's the full bird. Yeah, what do you think it is that tipped him off? Was it just that he was smiling? And he's like, Wolverine never smiles. <laughs> I think smiles. it was. Yeah. I think it because it's the only difference is like his expression was like a knowing smirk instead of mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of just grumpy. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I mean, I get it. He does never smile. I mean he smiles yeah. a little bit, but it's not what he's known for. I also think this this is mo- maybe my f- not my favorite line in the movie, because there's a million of them, but one of my favorites in the striker line that I love mm-hmm. is when Mystique gets into that room. She's like, he's like, can I open, can we open the door? And um, the, his goon inside of the room is like, no, the walls are, uh, no, all the things that operate the doors are in there. That's why the walls are so thick. And then Stryker just goes, oh, really? Like really sarcastically. <laughs> and it's so, he's just so funny. It's just yeah. such a, they're all such brats. It's great. <laughs> Uh, but Mystique takes control of the control room, locking Stryker and his men out, and then um, opens the spillway doors just in time to let in a storm or two. Um, mm. It's storm. She lets in storm and the other X-Men. Stryker is like, Arf, right, this is going terrible. You guys, bust open that door. Or the rest of us are going to go regroup outside of my Cerebro construction. Yeah, Stryker stuff. Meanwhile, the professor and the child that is Jason uh, enter his mind palace Cerebro. Stakes are getting into location. He's heading for the room he needs to be in. Mystique, meanwhile, is in the control room as the door opens. And it, did it get busted open? No, it's the X-Men, not the soldiers. They all kind of like decide on their various missions for the last third of the movie here. So they're yeah. like, okay, we can't shut down Cerebo from here. So Storm and Kurt, you guys go get the kids. Magneto, Mystique, and Jean are going to go find Scott and the professor and uh, Logan has already walked out of the scene to go <laughs> yeah. find Stryker. So I guess he'll do that. <laughs> he also like left his little headset, which like, okay, they can't control your brain with the headset. Bring it with you. <laughs> it might be helpful. N- Tell them this where movie you are. has one issue and it's communication. Yeah, <laughs> like any good any relationship, these... this movie needs good communication. <laughs> and it's funny because in the comics, a lot of the times, if you have someone like Gene, They'll just all go like, okay, psychic link us all together, and we can all just kind mm-hmm. of hear each other's thoughts and tell, communicate that way. But yeah, they rely way too much on little phones, and <laughs> uh, it doesn't make any sense. Oh but, man. Yeah. Also, Mystique has a great best. line here when Storm asks her if the if she could close down <laughs> Cerebro. Mystique just rolls her eyes and says, "No." And I love it. I, <laughs> I think Rebecca yeah, Romaine deserves so more sassy. credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just and and it's funny because you do get a little bit of this like mystique, a, a bad guy who's uh, in the comics been alive for hundreds of years, just like seen it all, and then storm this like little girl scout, like oh okay, here's what we're gonna do, and mystique's like I no, <laughs> that's not gonna work, idiot. Uh, so I like the energy. <laughs> yeah, she brings a, she brings a fun vibe to it all. Striker and his men enter Cerebro Two, as we're dubbing it. Uh, and Stryker strides up to his son, whispering in his ear. This is where we're going to get the sort of manipulation of the parent's yeah. finger here. Uh, Jason, it's time. And has him, as the little girl, start prompting Professor X to locate the mutants. 
So he does, and so the clock has begun on the end of Mutant Kind, as it does at the last third of every X-Men movie. Mystique, Magneto, and Jean approach Cerebro when an optic blast fires at them. It's Scott. He's been mind-controlled. Remember when he got (laughs) re-educated? He's back. Uh, Jean stays behind to kind of hold him off while Magneto and Mystique keep making for Cerebro. Um, meanwhile, Kurt and Storm find the kids and they start bamfing them out of their like underground sewer that they're being stored in. So that's not, don't worry about them too much. They're going to be fine. Uh, right. Wolverine walks with purpose is what I wrote, but I think we immediately shoot away from a shot of him walking with purpose to the Gene and Scott fight, which is a it fun sounds insert. right. It's mm-hmm. just everybody's, everybody's walking around the tunnels. They're all in the same yeah. tunnel kind of it could you should all be able to hear each other too it's like this is part of where i really wanted there to be more differentiation between their costumes because kind of with the exception of like yeah. Storm and magneto it's hard to tell who's who and they're all in very identical looking locations wearing nearly identical costumes and i'm like i just need some something to indicate to me who's where quickly when we go from scene to scene absolutely um, yeah we don't get that here uh, Jean and Scott are facing off in a room full of what looked like power generators, but it's not really going to be that relevant. Uh, she tries to do the, like, I know you were in there somewhere appeal to break through his mind control, but when that doesn't work, she just mind controls his blast uh, to keep it from hitting her and throws it back at him. But in doing so, she hurts not only herself, but cracks a bit of the dam outside. Luckily, though, this also seems to succeed at snapping Scott out of whatever funk he was in, and they hug it out. So congratulations, you two have managed to reconcile yourselves once again. As they're having this little moment, Jean's Jean sense tells her that something is wrong, as though something has not been wrong since the moment they stepped foot in the north. Uh, And Stryker, (laughs) too, who also seems to have some sort of Stryker sense, senses an issue. (laughs) They all, like, look ominously over their shoulder, like, I could feel a change in the wind. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. So many characters everybody, do it. Everybody does Wolverine, this except for like... Jean, Charles, Stryker have all done it so far. Um, I think even Bobby had a moment where he had like a Bobby sense. It's a, yeah, again, you just... Every every sound has to be something. When you're an X-Men, you know everybody's out to get mm-hmm. you. Especially when you're in the thing that could flood at any moment. Uh, yes. But, Which is what Stryker's concern seems to be as he looks over at some pressure valves and realizes that the oh, dam is the about to valves blow. valves are moving and stuff, and that is not good. <laughs> like, besides computers blinking numbers, that is the sign that everything's going to explode. Everything's going wrong. Anything else, yeah. you got to fix the valves. Yep. But they couldn't. Uh, he, so he starts to flee as Wolverine enters what looks like a boss arena, but actually it's the room and tank from his visions as yeah. all the wall is covered in all sorts of x-rays of his adamantine skeleton. Uh, as he investigates, claw marks in the wall tell him that this is the place he escaped from and memories flood back. As he's flashing back, though, Stryker and his assistant appear uh, and Stryker takes a moment to wax poetic about Wolverine being one of a kind, or so mm. he thought, because his assistant reveals that she too has adamantine bones and her nails turn into claws, which is not how nails work. Mm. <sighs> That's how, that looked how more painful than anything work. else. <laughs> Mutant nails That's are true. very different, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I do not have an adamantine skeleton, so unfortunately, yes. my um, human nails do not turn into spiky claws, but uh, hers do, uh, and the two begin to duke it out because we needed someone from Wolverine to duke it out with that he couldn't just take down in a few hits. Um, yeah, and Sabretooth pretty... is totally not dead, but not here. Like, yes. he Ooh. definitely survives the last movie. In the video game <laughs> for the third movie, I think, he's the bad guy. Uh, but yeah, they just mm. forgot about him, which is fine. He's not that good. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. She's not particularly standout either. It's kind of just like, I just kind of wish she was X-23 instead of just ambiguous 
Lady Deathstrike, yeah. but at the same do... time, then it's a whole other plot line. Yeah, you can't kill her in that, but I do love, mm-hmm. uh, the, I do like how he gets her, and I like the face she makes, and it's like, oh yeah, yes. right, she was a cl- she was like mind controlled the whole time. You just killed yep. her. It's kind of sad, but also like Lady Deathstrike, I feel like in the comics is one of those villains that's just evil all the way. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. whatever we lose. She's just kind of a goon to get taken out who has more abilities than the average goon. Um, their, yeah. their fight's pretty evenly matched for the most part. She also has his healing factor and they continue to rumble. Eventually, um, he will use some of the liquid adamantine that is kept heated uh, to inject it into her. Uh, and she will get full of now cooled and impossible to destroy adamantine and is dropped into the pool of goo. And that is her death. And it's very dramatic and crazy looking. And one of the cooler endings to a fight in the movie. And that clunk sound when she hits the bottom of the pool is is brutal. And also, I think that's how Wolverine died in the comics not too long ago. Maybe like the 2010s. Yeah, they like encased him in adamantium adamantium or something. Yeah, it's it's very... Very memories of this. (laughs) That's the only thing you got to worry about if you're a Wolverine. Just get rid of all the adamantium as quickly as you can. (laughs) Back on the jet, the kids are like sitting around waiting and pyro was like we got to go join the fight but rogue and bobby stay behind uh <laughs> which like I, mean, I guess but also i don't know maybe help i feel like bobby could have fixed mm-hmm. this whole damn problem pretty quickly ice yeah, powers and i kept waiting because i haven't seen this movie in a very long time and i was like maybe i just am misremembering i think bobby must of, of course Bobby has ice powers. He's going to stop the dam. What is going to go spill everywhere? That's what ice does, right? That's like the ice yeah. thing that ice guys do. It does not happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I kept waiting for it to happen, and it kept not happening. Yeah. At this point, Charles has located all the mutants in Cerebro, uh, but unfortunately for the soldiers guarding that room, uh, Magneto has approached and yeah. in a baller move pulls all the pins and the grenades they have in their pockets to stop them from being able to to kill them all uh, and allow them to clear his path to get into Cerebro. Everyone else kind of like shows up. (laughs) All the mutants start getting crazy headaches because like up in Cerebro, uh, Charles has gotten his mind all sorted out, um, except for Magneto, who of course has the power of wearing a helmet. Dorky helmet. Dorky helmet, but a helmet nonetheless. (laughs) Striker from flees. the real bad guys. Think so on that, why don't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, Striker is fleeing to the outside of the base as uh, Eric tries to bust through the doors into Cerebro. He manages to move the doors enough to get Charles' attention, and the connection to all the mutants is broken, letting everyone kind of spring back into action. And we see the little girl, Jason, start to panic. Magneto enters Cerebro and starts chatting with Charles about fighting the good fight and all that jazz and starts rearranging all the panels in Cerebro, uh, which apparently is how you make it target humans and not mutants. There's about 100 panels in Cerebro and 50 of them are human panels and 50 of them are mutant (laughs) panels. And yeah, it's a very, very complicated. Also, like, I feel like this is some... I, I don't know when Cerebro became a big dome of stuff. I feel like in the comics, it's usually just a helmet, and it's in a room, yeah. and, like, you put it on, uh, and it and it does its thing. But, like, yeah, the idea that it's always got to be this big, like, IMAX screen Orb. is very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's got, like, a sci-fi pit to nowhere, and then, like, mm-hmm. a big walkway, as sci- all sci-fi pits to nowhere have, and then it's just... Or it's not even like the iconic X-Men room that I think of. Because if I'm if you ask me for an iconic X-Men room, I'm thinking of the danger room. Right. It's not normally yeah. not Cerebro and did not feature in this movie. No, I guess you yeah. can't really like 
link with every mutant in existence in the danger room, but it is called the danger room. I'm sure there's something you could have done with that during that invasion. Well, yeah, and and I and I feel like there are times when they've used the danger room offensively, and I always love it. Um, mm-hmm. But also. The idea, a lot of the times I feel like Cerebro is taken on the go. Like a character will yeah. just bring Cerebro with them to amplify their psychic powers. And like, what would they do? Just a big trailer full of, of like, you know, metal things that you'd all they put gotta in the right place. They got to bring a generator with them and see yeah. make sure everything's hooked up correctly. <laughs> got to figure out a way to miniaturize that Cerebro. It's mm-hmm. too much. But I do feel like that is so, like, people remember that from the x-men movies so when this comes into the mcu i feel like we're gonna get a big cerebro room again oh 100 probably don't need it yeah 100 percent. it's like it's just such an iconic image from the movies now that even if it's not comic accurate it's gonna make it in there this is where we get the little twist for our two ride-along villains mystique turns into striker and at using the voice of his father whispers to jason about the change of plans that they have uh, Magneto wishes Charles farewell and exits, closing the door behind him. And the little girl now demands that Charles find all of the humans. Oh, how the tables have turned. Yeah, that was cool. I liked yeah. that. When I, yeah. This little twist. Very clever. Twisty. And I like that Magneto had, had kind of figured, it seems like he had figured that out for the whole time. It's like, oh, if yeah. I can manage to yeah, get close enough to them, having Mystique is actually all I'll need to kill all the humans. So mm-hmm. that's pretty sick. It was very clever. It shows how smart he is. Stryker is making for a helicopter to escape, but is intercepted by Wolverine, who takes the chance mm. to stab him. Uh, Wolverine is like, who are you? But Stryker's like, uh, you you are just a failed experiment. And if you knew about what kind of person you were before the experiment, you'd be unhappy. Uh, uh, ooh, the beast within or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, where are the wolves, by the way? It'd be pretty funny right. if the wolves just ate Bring him. Bring the wolf you back. Know? <laughs> a big, you had a so big much wolf imagery in the first like, half. Hey, Wolverine from earlier. You want us to get this guy? And like, yeah, I don't know, maybe. Bring back the wolves, damn it. A siren starts going off if they have this conversation, though. And it's the dam. It's about to break. Oh, no. Water is starting to course into the spillway. Striker's like, come with me, Wolverine, and survive. Forget your friends. But Logan, he's a team player now, baby. So he chains Striker to the helicopter and runs back into the compound. He's like, if we die, you die. Storm, Kurt, and the rest of the kids all reach Cerebro as Jean explains that through her Jean sense, she knows that the whole illusion thing is happening inside and that the Cerebro has been reversed and that all the humans are reeling in pain now just as the mutants did before. Uh, Storm has Kurt teleport her inside of Cerebro even though he can't see where he's going. Uh, so he's you know nervous that he could bamf into a wall or something. But they make it in okay because it is, again, a very large open room. So there's a very small margin of error on that one. That's true. Yeah. I, I wonder if she did try to explain that to him. Like, no, no, no. You don't get it. It's like a basketball. In there. Like, it's yeah. huge. There's Just no way. Just aim for, like, Just... the upper third and you're fine. <laughs> yeah. And I can fly with storm powers. So I'll make it easy for us to do stuff in there. Yeah. There's, like, mm-hmm. a two-foot wall and that's it. That's the <laughs> only thing in that room. And, oh. and also, if you teleport into the little psychic girl that, or the adult man that's pretending to be a little psychic girl, that'll probably solve our problems, too. So, yeah. you know, take one for the team. As long as you don't kill <laughs> Professor X, it's not so bad. Yeah. They're faced with just the little girl alone when they arrive in Cerebro. Uh, but Storm's like, that's no girl. <laughs> so we know that they're mm-hmm. wise to the illusion tricks. Meanwhile, Magneto and Mystique go out into the helicopter and find Stryker and immediately try to kill him because they're going to make their great escape. And before they take off, they manage to grab Pyro, who willingly jumps into the helicopter with them, because he is now part of the villain squad. He was around. 
He just happened mm-hmm. to be there, and lucky for them. Yep. Cool, I guess. Cool. You know. We get a fire guy now. Inside Cerebro, Storm brings the blizzard to create ice to cool Jason down so much that uh, he, you know, can't keep his illusions up, almost like um, a superhero with ice powers could do. <laughs> like <Yeah>. ice. <laughs> like, yeah. Like the. Like ice so man? redundant. Yeah. Why don't even bother. Movie? Yeah. Uh, he, like, I, in the comics, he is, like, so great at that. But, yeah, it's yeah. another one of those powers that's, like, I don't know. We already have that. Like, we don't really need you. <laughs> I do feel like, too, when he came in, like, he was already part of the X-Men. And then the X-Men disbanded because the books weren't selling. And then they brought in Storm. And I do mm-hmm. feel like if I were Iceman, I would be a little, like, I would take that as an insult. Yeah. yeah, be like, uh, I'm sorry. What is, like, it's like when Superman and the Flash are on the same team. And it's like, we need someone who can run really fast. You know what, Flash? You can have this one. You know, that this will <laughs> bring your spirits up. Make you feel mm. like less of a loser. Yeah, yeah. he's he's just got to hold Rogue's hand while they bump the jet around. So that's also important, I guess. Yeah, sure. The ice manages to free Charles from the illusion, and he takes off Cerebro, crisis averted. But crisis number two is here. The whole place <laughs> yeah. is going to flood. Uh, uh, Cerebro begins to collapse as Kurt bamps everyone out, except for Jason, who I guess goes down with the ship, so to speak. And the gang all run for the spillway, where Wooder is coursing through, but Logan jams the spillway doors shut, rejoining the group and being like, yeah, you don't want to go that way. They follow him out of the compound, scrambling into the snow, making for where the helicopter once was, but it's gone! Magneto, Mystique, and now Pyro also took it, and how will they ever escape? I mean, it's they can't possibly get to the jet. I assume they parked it pretty far away, since they don't seem to be making for it at all. I guess so, yeah. I mean, <laughs> they wanted to be a secret jet or whatever, but yeah, I feel like the jet is probably cloaked enough that you could just park it right on top of the, the thing, and they yeah. would never know. And also, yeah. that helicopter couldn't fit all the kids anyway. So it's yeah. probably a wash. Wouldn't it's work. for the best. Luckily, they left their plot-relevant teens in the jet, so Rogue and a shakily handheld uh, Bobby make a questionable landing, but a landing nonetheless, and the gang all kind of load in. But before getting on board, Wolverine, who is still holding a random child, wanders off to find Stryker, who is chained off to, con- to this concrete. Stryker takes his last chance to wax poetic about who has the answers, calls the kid that Wolverine is holding a creature, um, but Wolverine just throws his dog tags down and chooses to walk off with the kid going back to the jet. Again, he took a kid with... <laughs> I just love that he's yeah. holding this child and he's like, oh, wait, we got to detour before we get into um, safety. I got to go deal with my tragic backstory for a moment. Yeah, this kid can walk. Like, yeah, I, it's I, the he's... kid with the tongue from before. Yeah, <laughs> just deal with it. Like, But yeah, it's like, I maybe he was like, hey, kid, do you want to see a man die? Do you want to see... <laughs> hey, kid, you want to see some crazy shit? <laughs> yeah, it'd be actually pretty cool if as I was leaving, you could do the tongue thing that you do at the, all the mm-hmm. times at him. So. Really, like, poignant, make my point for me. Yeah, uh, and the kid was like, I guess. I don't I don't have any yeah. choice. You're holding me for some reason, even though, like <laughs> I said, I can walk. You can. I feel like there's other people that need to be held more. The man who can't walk is probably number one on the list. <laughs> yep. Uh, I don't know who's holding uh, him, but it should probably be you. You're the strongest, mm-hmm. but now nah, don't bother. Nope. But everyone gets on board the jet, but I can't stake off because it's just uh, powerless. Something must have gotten bumped in the landing. Uh, even as Professor X instructs them to make for Washington, they can't even get out of Alkali Lake. The dam bursts. The jet's still without power. Jean has another Jean sense moment, and she looks back at her friends and then towards the back of the jet. 
where she exits and makes her way outside. Jean uses her powers to turn the jet back on from outside, controlling it with her mind as the water courses towards her, and she uses her mind to keep it from covering the jet up. She uses Professor X to talk to the rest of the crew, saying that this is the only way. Scott makes a desperate plea to Professor X as Jean is coded in what I'm sure we will someday learn is Phoenix Fire, and then water. Scott is unhappy, as is everyone else, but they are able to escape from the deluge as the jet flies over the water where Jean once was. Kurt, like, prays a little bit with his now kind of bent-up cross, and we exit this emotional climax of the movie. I wanted Scott to kiss Professor X. I he so badly. Kiss him, but he could So have. badly. <laughs> Would have been cool. I don't it's like, know. oh my God, do it, do it. But yeah, no. like, I feel like Professor X is, you know, he would have got, he'd be like, yeah, no, I, I see what we're doing yeah. here. And also, he probably wouldn't have remembered it. And Gene could have had a nice little kiss. Mm-hmm. And Scott would have been, it would have been confusing for him, but better sure, than nothing. But is it any more confusing than any other moment in Scott's love exactly. life, to be honest? <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, did Gene have to leave the jet to no. turn off on all the pro- <laughs> power systems? Because at first I'm like, oh, she's going to just stop the water, but she fully turns it on. They should make an yeah. aqua jet. They should I guess give their jet aqua powers. <laughs> they, I mean, I assume it's a jet that in future movies can like go into space. So I feel like it's probably airtight. But um, also, if you... Yeah, I mean, she turns it on and kind of levitates it and also needs to, I guess, be there to block the water before it hits it. But mm-hmm. yeah, again, this is like another instance in the x-men movies of like i'm gonna solve the problem all by myself and it's like i think if a bunch of you work together it would work as well you have two very powerful telepaths on board the ship i'm sure one of you could turn it on while the other levitates the ship yeah you have the storm one who can make a big tornado make a big big tornado you could have let kurt bamf out to get you and bring you back in since he's very good at that we've seen there's a lot of there's but we had you, to kill you have ice man he's still somehow and we don't even know what we these kids still can do haven't had Iceman freeze stuff <laughs> yeah there's so many oh. options for saving gene but again these movies are like well the third one has to be dark phoenix so she's dead yeah sorry gene. yeah uh, before we could wrestle with her death we have to go to washington where the president is preparing to give an address about the recent events the pain that every human on earth and also every mutant so every single person on earth felt um he starts reading off of his teleprompter but as he does an electrical glitch goes off and suddenly everyone around him is frozen just as they were at the museum at the beginning it's professor x time baby a storm gathers for dramatic emphasis and the x-men all casted shadow arrive in the oval office Charles kind of like addresses the president. Uh, Kirk gives a little wave from the mm-hmm. corner. The president's a would-be murderer. And the X-Men deliver uh, Stryker's secret files that he totally had to the president. What do they contain? We don't see, but we can assume nothing good. Uh, as the president is suddenly aware of the villainous schemes that they had been enduring up till now. Charles asks the president to stop the war that some think is coming. And he's like, we'll be watching. Ooh. Yeah, and I think is Wolverine get that line too? Because it's like, you, I guess, are the main or somebody. Somebody gets a line where I'm like, other people it's... should be speaking. You're not that important, but I don't remember who it is. <laughs> it might be Cyclops. Uh, it could be, yeah. Also, Bobby and uh, Bobby and Rogue have costumes now. They finally yeah. got their. They graduated. Which, um, if they're coming directly from being up north, because this is happening like immediately after that means they already had the costumes when they were complaining about not having the costumes for sure they just weren't allowed to wear them (laughs) because it would have gone to their heads also did kurt kurt doesn't have a costume right 
I don't think no, he he's just wearing his yeah. like coat. Weird circus outfit. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I do good like his him. outfit a lot in these in this mm-hmm. movie. It's so it's so strange, but has a lot of color. It's nice. Yeah, it somehow has the most color of everyone's costumes while still being incredibly yeah. saturated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the storm leaves, though. Time begins anew, and the president ponders files before, uh, you know, he doesn't quite jump right back into his address, and we assume that all is well. Back at the Institute, Scott, Logan, and Charles talk about Jean. Uh, Scott's like, could we have done more to save her? And the answer is absolutely yes, but Jean wouldn't let them for plot reasons. She made her choice to be the main, you know, antagonist of the next movie (laughs) yeah there's a knock at the door a bunch of kids have entered the room and also colossus because school is back in session logan catches up with scott after their little meeting it's like yeah man she chose you feel better about that i guess she's still dead but you know you won congrats the kids all gather around charles and class begins which is um charles talking at them about classic literature (laughs) yeah the book that magneto reminded him of very very much like I didn't really have any class planned because I was hypnotized mm-hmm. the other day. So yep. uh, I was reading this book. Uh, you guys want to hear about it? It's like it's it is like the X Men equivalent of like popping a VHS of like you know yep. Beauty and the Beast and to keep the kids. Also <laughs> today we're gonna watch ev- Holes. <laughs> yeah, is everybody in that class the same? Like, do you is there just one class of everybody? Because it does feel like the ages are like twelve year olds all over the place, seventeen year olds. Yeah. Because Colossus um, is there, like, as a student, yes. and he's a grown man, <laughs> or a teen, yeah, but still significantly older than everyone else in the room. And he does, in the beginning, when he's drawing with the little girl, or not little girl, little boy, um, when Gene, or, uh, gosh, when Rogue and Bobby are kissing, that kid's, like, 12. And that's mm-hmm. fine, but it is, like, does he, if you're a kid in the X-Mansion, it does seem like there's maybe 30 people in the X-Mansion at all times, like, <laughs> If yeah. you're a 17-year-old, does that mean there's four other 17-year-olds that can be your 17-year-old friend? That's got to be mm. pretty lonely. Yeah. Uh, which kind of does explain why Bobby and Rogue are just like, Bobby's just like, Rogue, yes, a girl. You're my new girl. <laughs> a cool. woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tried. St- I mean, obviously, Stor- Storm doesn't count. Right? I tried to do the whole Gene thing, and Cyclops <laughs> said no. And then I was done. I think Jubilee is yep. in the background of some of these. So Jubilee is in the background. Her... Kitty's like a kid in this version. So yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Kitty's way too young. I'll, I'll I'll horn in on that later too. That'll be in the third <laughs> one of these. But she'll be a completely different person, and it doesn't yes. count. I haven't come but... out of the closet in this continuity yet, so we're not quite yeah. there in the evolution of the comics. So we can't like jump into that whole plotline. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Which does, in it... retrospect, make the uh, conversation in his house oh, with his parents, God. where he's like, "I have to tell you something that much." funnier yeah it's like oh, the foreshadowing they didn't even know <laughs> that that is true they were just it is it, it does almost feel like with a lot of those retcon characters they just went back and went who has really flimsy relationships that yeah. nobody gives a shit about that if we just write them away no one will care and they're like I guess yeah bobby's never really dated anybody and most of the people he dated were shapeshifters anyway so nope. uh, he's gay i don't know fair Let's game see. Yeah, yep. um, which I guess makes sense. Cause it would be much not like worse, but very. It would be. It would require a lot more work if they went like, uh, Cyclops is gay, and uh, we're going to explain all the rest of this stuff that happened and have a difficult <laughs> conversation, as opposed to like, no, nah, he was. This guy was secretly gay the whole time, and uh, nothing has to change at all. Um, mm-hmm. Just he's dating men now, and uh, that probably won't even happen that much anyway. So, yep. yeah, it's it's a, yep. it's, a, it's a bummer. 
Um, yeah. Also, have you ever read Once the Future King? I had not read it, but I did look no. it up after this movie. I've not read it. it. It's about like King Arthur trying to deal with like another army invading, I think, and also like a peasant revolt. So it's the same kind of concept of I, I've I've been told. I, I think like I kind of got from this the concept of being like trying to keep the peace as Professor mm. X between, like, Magneto, who wants to kill all the people, and then and Stryker, who wants to kill all you guys. And so apparently right. that's why that book is that book. But, hmm. um, yeah, it is, it's uh, it is like, the the lesson that is the whole thesis of the movie that the characters all have to yes. say. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, and we get our kind of, like, last moment of the film here. Charles, as Charles' sense goes off once more, he looks out over oh, the yeah. woods. A kid asks him if something's wrong, and he's like, no everything is as it should be and then we cut back to the north over the lake where like the faint outline of a bird seems to almost be under the water but it's super ambiguous it took me a lot of pauses to figure out what that shape was supposed to be and i was looking for a phoenix i remember when i saw it i was like i think that's the phoenix and uh like as a kid and i had to ask a bunch of other people i was like i think did anybody get anything from this at all besides yep. she's already probably like if you didn't know she was the phoenix or have any of that information you just mm-hmm. think that's like a you know reflection of the sun but with that it's like i guess that's what that character's supposed to be so okay mm-hmm. um and i guess sure. she had the moment where her hands turned red with fire when she was doing the jet thing so i guess that's the other like yeah moment but yeah it's yep. i mean it's great it's a great movie <laughs> ending shot of the movie we've come to the conclusion uh <laughs> a lot to say about the x-men movie <laughs> x2 yeah. I should say x2 specifically um, which i do think is the best one of those i understand people like first class i think first class is very good and then i think logan is very good but as far as just like movies about the x-men x2 is one that i think yeah. is my favorite um and i do think like we've kind of we've gotten at it but there are a lot of like it does have a lot to say and a bunch of themes and and things like that um and all, all just all the stuff you want in a movie character mm-hmm. and arcs and stuff some of them are you know underwritten but the big <laughs> ones of like Wolverine and stuff those are pretty those are pretty solid. yeah i think kind of like um, dancing around final thoughts here like this feels very, like a very transitionary movie. It's it, like it truly feels like it is the middle movie of a trilogy, and that makes a lot of sense. It's the second movie of what will kind of be like three OGs, but there's just so much that gets carried over from the first movie and not really explained that uh, kind of surprised me in the rewatch. I was surprised by how much there was just kind of like, and we expect you to understand this, so here it goes because this was coming out prior to kind of like the advent of the MCU, everything is connected kind of style mm. of um, superhero franchise. And I think that's kind of why we get some of the like underdeveloped teen stories because they're holdovers from the first movie who might have something to do in the third, but we don't want to yeah. like, completely forget about them. Um, but you know they don't have a lot to do here. But despite that, it's still really entertaining, and the story is very clear and cohesive, which is impressive because there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it too is like there's you get these moments in movies like these where, um, you know, in the first one rogue is very important and she Mm -hmm. is the you know second lead of the movie and by the end of the movie she is the one that's being fought over and stuff and then you get to the second movie and it's like well people like rogue so she's got to be in it but she probably shouldn't but (laughs) we're gonna see if we can figure that out yeah Uh, and it's it it does feel kind of like 
it, it's it, and it's kind of excuse you someone did a meow. <laughs> i don't know if that came through but it's that it's that thing and it, i think this is more clear with the x-men than with something like the avengers or other teams but the x-men as a concept should be very disposable in terms of mm-hmm. like this movie's not really about rogue so we're just yeah. not gonna have her in it um like i think that is fine excuse you someone really <laughs> wants attention um do you have any but, um strong opinions on rogue dear kitty he he's he's not a fan because um <laughs> she cannot pet him and that uh, is not or at least she could w- it would be through gloves oh, and that's not his thing never once considered the ramifications of rogue's um mutant ability as two relations of petting like dogs and cats but that is yeah that's the most tragic part of her character <laughs> You I don't know. Never pet if, a dog. Yeah, I don't know if you have one of those things. Cause I I used to have one. I don't know where it went, but it's like a it's like a glove that you use to kind of brush your cat. Mm, um, yeah. And it's got little like treads on it or whatever. So I guess she'd have to have that on at all times. But yeah, That's she true. couldn't give him a little kiss. Very Aww. sad. What is even life? Throw yourself from the <laughs> from the Statue of Liberty at the end of X One Row. It's over. Oh. Um, but yeah, no, I think this movie rocks. I think. It, I think all of the effects, all the action scenes are, are solid. I, I do think this movie is great at working within its limits of, like, we have just enough budget to make this look good, this look good, this look good, this look good. And we're going to mm-hmm. really go out on that. And then other stuff we might kind of, you know, not really show everybody. I, there's some things where if this movie was made today with, like, a, you know, $300 million budget like they get mm-hmm. in all these movies now. I would love to see more mansion stuff of just, like, other mutant kids waking up and, you know, exploding yeah. the heads of some of the guys or whatever. Um, but beyond that, I think a lo- I think it, this movie has a lot of, like, leaving you wanting more of some of these characters and to see some of them, which is a shame because the director, who we said a terrible person, gets replaced mm-hmm. by a much worse director generally uh, like technically yeah. and writing the writing of this movie gets really messy and then characters leave. So X three becomes this big mess of a movie. And um, I think based on what we're seeing in this movie, I think there were th- some threads that it's like, that is interesting enough that we could do something with this. And like the, you know, culmination of rogue story or, more mm-hmm. ice fan stuff maybe would have paid off in a third movie and cyclops would really get some time to shine and become <laughs> oh, the leader Scott. the x-men always need him to be but yeah then he then he just doesn't and i've heard a lot of interviews from people associated with the movie that are like they rewrote lots of it and it was like the last stand was all a mess because they wanted to shove all this stuff in and it it does mm-hmm. feel like that whereas this feels very like concise even though it is all over the place in terms of globe trotting yeah. and not globe trotting like Massachusetts there was like a clear goal where the script was working to even if it you know kind of strayed a bit it always felt like the story they set out to tell originally is the story they ended up telling rather than like going through endless line rounds of like on-set rewrites or any sort of like studio haggling yeah and it's nice because I think these characters all are um like these characters are all fun and I think represented relatively well in terms of like bringing because the comic that this is based off of does feel like most of the main X-Men. It's like Cyclops, Storm, Nightcrawler, Colossus. I'm probably forgetting someone and Shadowcat. Maybe it mm-hmm. is just those five. But um, you do get. Oh, and Wolverine, probably. 
so then, like, you do get enough of them in there, and Magneto joins the team halfway through the book and tries to face off with Stryker uh, because he has his own, like, not, like, his own agenda. But there a lot of the same things happen, and I think as far as, like, adapting the story and keeping what is the spirit of the story and the things that are the most important about it, but changing all the rest of it to fit into this universe and also mm-hmm. to become this kind of 9-11 uh, like Patriot Act kind of allegory. Uh, I, I think it's successful in a way that many of these are not. Um, and and yeah, and we just had Ian McKellen and Brian Cox and Patrick Stewart and uh, Hugh Jackman. Like the, the cast for this was just firing on all cylinders. Um, yeah. And even like Didn't the feel next like one, we don't, really we don't like get more Alan. in either. Yeah. No, yeah. And we don't get more Alan coming. He doesn't come back in the next one. Like, there's just, mm-hmm. there's something about this one where it's, like, almost like, like, lightning in a bottle. Um, or, like, the, the you know, the planets aligned and the Titans mm-hmm. were free Storm from... entering a room. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you just, you just need, like, all this, all, all these things went right in this movie. And I understand coming off of this you get x3 and then origins wolverine why people don't really care about these and why these have kind Mm -hmm. of not become necessary rewatches is because i think the franchise loves to like make a couple good ones and then burn all that goodwill down with some real stinkers uh and for that reason it doesn't really like sit properly in people's memories but like i think one in x-men one and x-men two together very good and i I can Mm -hmm. always go back to them um fantastic is there like a particular situation you might recommend our listeners go back and watch this movie in is it sort of like a double feature or like a good group night it would it would be a fun double feature i would say the comic it's based on god loves man kills which i have a couple i have at least one copy of here is very short like it's like two issues maybe so i would i would say it's almost like worth a read read that and then read the book or watch the movie because it's fun to just see that you know like see all that um how how they took some things in different directions uh besides that yeah i mean i i feel like that is enough or you could play the x-men arcade game that most of these (laughs) characters are in also and uh and enjoy that a lot um or the multitudes of other crappier x-men games but you can get the arcade game on like I don't know, the Xbox store, so always <laughs> always a good pick. Fantastic. But yeah. There's just yeah. I, I would I would always say don't watch all of these movies. Like it's funny <laughs> when you watch the when like the Avengers movies came out. I remember when mm-hmm. Infinity War came out, everybody was like, you Gotta watch all of them. Marathon and I was like yeah. You can, you know. There there's the ones that are less good, but it is like, you know, a fun time generally. But with the X Men I'm like, watch one, two, Origins Wolverine if you're ready for that, if you wanna have some fun. <laughs> First yep. class, Days of Future Past, Logan, and then pretend none of the rest of them exist. And then watch yeah. Deadpools, I guess. But, like, yeah, there's a lot of this that is totally perfunctory, or mm-hmm. you can just get rid of it, and it's fine. Yeah, it's fascinating. But uh, we've talked yeah. about this for quite a while. I've very much enjoyed the discussion, but I think it's time for us to let our listeners go. So uh, before for we sure. say goodbye, uh, Nando, where can our, our listeners find you if they want more uh, comics, movies, and other opinions? So I tell everybody uh, when something like this comes up, just whatever you have 
if you use Twitter or Twitch or whatever, just look for Nando V Movies on that platform. I am primarily a YouTuber, so that is my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Nando V Movies, and I've been making a lot of X-Men-related content, so Ooh. casting videos, talking about how to modernize the Magneto origin without losing the Holocaust thing and still make him not a 100-year-old man uh, <laughs> and, and things like that. So I have been doing... Yeah, just a lot of X-Men stuff. Uh, and then I also have a podcast called Mostly Nitpicking, where it's kind of similar. It's just pick apart a piece of pop culture by, you know, kind of looking at the details. We just did an episode on Morbius. Like, so, Ooh. you know, if you want to hear me just really talk about a movie I don't care for, <laughs> uh, Morbius is a good place to start. And the Fantastic Crimes of Grindelwald 2 will probably also be a good place to start. Mm. But sometimes we talk about movies we like, like Sonic the Hedgehog. So, oh, um yes. That is, you know, there's there are positives as well. But yeah, so that is called Mostly Nitpicking, and it's at Nitpicking Pod on Twitter. But besides that, that's that's really it. Um, thank you so much for having me on. I love the X-Men so much. It's always great to be forced <laughs> yeah. to think about them again. It was very exciting to have you. Thanks for coming out and joining us. Um, I'm off to go check if the uh, space underneath my apartment is secretly housing any sort of Arctic bunker. Uh, but in the oh, meantime, we'll catch yeah, you guys all is. again in a future episode. Yeah, it's important to double check. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Movie Struck. We'll be back on May 30th with another thrilling installment, but if you have any questions, comments, or concerns before then, feel free to email us at moviestruckpod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron for monthly listener-selected movie reviews, early previews, and more. Links to all that and to our guest Nando V Movies content in the show notes below.